It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast that had a co-host talking about what Barney episode he enjoys the most before we started the show. RDT, I think we can dive into that, your entire Barney watching later. I don't that wasn't see, me. I don't see any reason to do it right now. Uh, wh- I believe. Why do you think that was me? It had to be you. You said it was you. You talked about Barney right before. You said it was your favorite episode. Someone else on this show is wearing I don't. You're, you're a man with a young child. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Back for another week of Baltimore sports talk, and I'm sure we'll go in a variety of different directions. We have to start, though, with an ode to our sponsor, Jimmy Seafood, partnering with the Ravens. They will be at M&T Bank Stadium. They will be on Ravens Walk. They will be at training camp. Feels like a perfect fit. The Jimmy Seafood brand just keeps on growing and growing. And as a proud partner of one of Baltimore's great establishments, we cannot be more thrilled for him, guys. It's fantastic. I'll, I'll let Banks take this yeah, one. Yeah, it's a natural fit. I think the, the general – yeah, the general response that I saw uh, going – you know, all the responses to the tweets and the announcements, all that was finally. Like, I couldn't believe that this wasn't already a thing. Um, I'm hearing from, from Johnny that it might be, you know, first level around section 128 ish is what he was suggesting. I uh, can't confirm that hundred percent, but it sounds like, um, that's the spot it'll be, which is the side towards the casino and all that. Uh, great spot. Cause it's, uh, I've got my season tickets up top right below that section. So I can grab Jimmy's during halftime, go right down the stairs, grab it, uh, get it on the way in, whatever it might be, but I'm going to enjoy the hell out of that for sure. Yeah, it's going to be a great delicacy in M&T Bank Stadium. So, and and so now you know, fans, if you're in the if you're in M&T Bank Stadium, you know where to meet Banks at halftime. He pretty much just gave he just gave away his, his whereabouts there. So you can go down, you can bother him, you can ask for his analysis, you can ask him for his analysis, and then DM him about his analysis. He loves that. He loves when you send him DMs with questions. <laughs> so please make sure to do that. Shout out to Jimmy's, and shout out to all the Banks appearances at Jimmy's at halftime all throughout the year at M&T Bank Stadium. With that said, let's get into the show. Have a guest in the middle of the show, the great Sarah Perlman, NBC sports host. She's doing a lot of betting stuff, but over the last year, obviously, so well known for, you know, helping out her husband, Trey Mancini, with all of the different things that went on with his recovery. An, an amazing person and really sort of the crux of, 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 his strength uh, as he's gone through. So you guys had a, a chance to talk with her the other day. Um, and, and I'm sure it was a fantastic conversation, but we will jump in here uh, quickly. Uh, let's talk, let's get the Lamar Jackson topic out of the way this week. We get to a Lamar Jack- Jackson topic every single week today. There was video of Baker Mayfield playing with kids, which got compared to Lamar Jackson who got criticized for playing with kids. This was going throughout. And then Lamar Jackson was in the airport there's videos of that. It, I guess the double standard of what Baker was doing and how that was reacted to between what Lamar was doing and how people reacted to that is the big topic of discussion here. The Lamar Jackson week-to-week train just can use going on. He was even brought up last night when Giannis won the title and people were comparing Giannis to him and, you know, two guys that play the game a different way, things like that. So I was going to text you guys. Can't is stay that out a of conversation the news. that's happened? Can't stay out of the news. I, I don't know. <laughs> you can't stay out of it. Which conversation? Just the, him. The, the Lamar and Giannis. Someone was like, they, they, their, their names are always linked together because they're two athletic freaks and they hadn't won anything. Now, now it's Lamar's turn. And I'm like, because like, again, it was, it was late when, when I saw the tweet and I almost texted you guys. And I'm like, this is not a thing that's happened, right? Like, no one, no it's one just ever. Shannon Sharp. 
Okay, well, yeah. So no one talks about it pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, Lamar's been a starter in the league for two years, really. He's had really two bites of the apple. Um, I mean, them making the, the, the playoffs the first year with a, with a draw in the dirt playbook that they put together. I don't really count that one. Um, so he's had two cracks at it. And uh, what Giannis has been in the league for seven, eight years, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I don't even I don't even know why I spent the time to just try to go through that and analyze it and explain how stupid it is. It's just stupid right off the bat. Um, the the thing with the Baker and Lamar and and the the I mean, they're doing the same exact thing. And Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, whatever it is, not doing this whole narrative about how Baker Mayfield is is risking his generational wealth and that's become a almost like a a rallying cry of sorts for Ravens fans right now is this generational wealth thing um to battle against this whole stupid narrative that that keeps getting recirculated it's um it's so blatant it's just so blatant when you get two quarterbacks doing the same exact thing when they're in they're in the same exact positions within their careers. They're both drafted in the same first round. And you get one completely different storyline with one and another one with the other. Um, I just – I'm almost – the only thing I'm surprised about is just how blatant it is. And just we're all waiting for our pro football talk article on Baker Mayfield about, you know, oh, my gosh, why is that guy running, you know, trying to defend routes. Um, and risking his, uh, himself for injury. It's stupid. Yeah, I th- it is interesting that, like, the Lamar – obviously, Ravens fans are always very defensive of Lamar Jackson in every way, shape, or form, and that's just how you are with a player that you love that's on your own team. But now the, the generational wealth becoming a phraseology in that defense is one of the more interesting Lamar Jackson developments yeah. of the last few years. Like, it, it, the overall support for him – obviously, everyone wants him to get extended – but now it's really not even about like the extension he's going to get and like the controversy involved there. It's about how there's some people think he's risking his money by doing certain things and how Ravens fans not just want him to do whatever he wants. And yeah, I mean, there's a clear double standard there. And I think Lamar Jackson is such a lightning rod for clicks and, and attention when talking about the NFL at this point that you're going to get more of a reaction to that than a guy like Baker Mayfield who at one point I think was becoming a guy that was a lightning rod for talk and is now kind of, off that pedestal to a certain extent um, with, I think people being a little more realistic about what his potential really is. So uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what the Lamar Jackson story is next week. I'm sure something will happen. I mean, something happens every, now they're now they're coming back. Now he's coming back to, to for training camp. So it, it's only going to grow. It's only going to grow as we go through the next month, which will be very, very interesting as rookies reported rookies reported. We have, we have players back. All the rookies are now signed. Uh, we're going to start having training camp storylines, training camp battles. One of my favorite articles of the year is the, you know, almost the last four into the roster and the last four out of the roster. That's always an enjoyable Mm -hmm. um, thing, not for those people, but for people on the outside. Uh, so that'll be fun. That starts, uh, the next, you know, week and a half, two weeks. We're so close. We're so close to having real football storylines that relate to things happening between the white lines and it's just man am i exhausted of a lot of these storylines that just keep popping up that are just nothing to do with anything but people just love to yell about lamar jackson like exactly like you said he's a lightning rod and um we have to take it upon ourselves to defend the wall when it comes to him and it is what it is 
Um, hopefully we get that extension done and we just get back to playing football and we can move on. Speaking of lightning rods for criticism today, we have to touch on these, these Indianapolis Colts, uh, Baltimore Colts throwback uniforms and the sort of blatant disregard for the location history involved in those. Now, the one thing I will say, and I was a little peeved by this, this happens now all the time where you have these franchises that have moved and they use, you know, locations from the – you saw it with, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes who are using the Hartford Whalers, like just totally different colors. At the very least, the Indianapolis Colts kept, like, the brand of of everything that was going on. What I think was the worst part about it was them trying to act like Johnny Unitas and all these different guys were, like, legends of – like what exists in the franchise in Indianapolis. And I think there's like a clear break that people make, unlike a franchise like the Rams, where all that stuff kind of exists in one period of time, maybe, or one, or sort of, you know, one franchise, you know, timeline. There's like a clear break when the Colts move to Indianapolis, where it's like, that's one franchise, I feel like, and the Baltimore Colts are another franchise. So the using of the players is very bizarre. People got very upset about this. There was a lot of mad people mad online, including you, Banks. I was mad online. Um, it's it's so different when when the people that they're using to say, hey, we're giving a nod to this person, that person, we're wearing their jersey from 1956, whatever. When those people are so were so outright, explicitly saying, the Indianapolis Colts are not the Baltimore Colts. This is not our history. I had nothing to do with the Indianapolis Colts. I don't want anything to do with the Indianapolis Colts. And the Colts have such a boring team. They have had one since Andrew Luck retired. They have no big names. They're using DeForest Buckner in the same sentence as, as Lenny Moore and John Unitas and, and, and Raymond Barry. It's a joke. It's a complete joke. And I guess they're just kind of reaching for whatever they may have. But at a certain point, like, you, like if respect the guy's wishes, man. Like the guy didn't want anything to do with the Ursays or the the new Colts or Indianapolis and all that. And now they're just I mean, I'm not I'm saying now they are. They've been doing it for 25, 30, 40 years now. Like they just are just acting like it's cool that Unitas his name gets gets like used and gets tied with all these types of things. It's not what he wanted. So um the difference between the teams that you all you, you kind of mentioned there with like, I don't know, the whalers and, and, and the Nordiques and the avalanche, like those types of things when those teams use throwback jerseys, it's different when it's a completely different brand and it's, you know, something that's, there's not that discourse about how things were left and how um, literally how the break breakup happened. So it's just, it's just so like, I don't know what I'm, I, I'm blanking on the word. It's uh tone deaf is, is a, is a phrase that's used for stuff. That's like, I don't know, a little more serious or whatever, but it's just like, read the room, man. Like, it's just not, it's just not it. I think it's one of those things where they probably said to themselves, okay, no matter what we do here, evoking this era is going to elicit this. Maybe they, I mean, who knows? Maybe there's no in the organization thinking that way, but if there are, you think, okay, there's going to be a reaction from Baltimore fans no matter what we do or, or people that are upset about this. First of all, are those people, you know, young enough to even really be on these platforms potentially? And two, not to, not to make it about that, but you do have that, you know, that is that generationally that angst is probably moving away a little bit based on, based on 
just the simple fact that the Colts have not been or the Colts have not been in Baltimore for a really long time. With that said, there was enough reaction. Maybe they just thought, whatever, we'll just it'll just happen, and we're just gonna deal with it, and it is what it is, and we're gonna show off where these uniforms are from. But I don't know. I mean, do you do you think do you think Colts fans in Indianapolis wear Johnny United jerseys and stuff? No. I'm sure that has to happen a little bit, but I, I, I bet just it doesn't. Think it, I bet it doesn't. I don't think that's a thing that really happens much. I think everyone, if they're not wearing a jersey of someone on the current team, they're wearing Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, Peyton oh, Manning. Sure. I don't think there's like any history really beyond like this franchise is Baltimore, Colts pre Manning, and Colts Manning and post Manning. Like those are three different franchises, in my opinion, essentially. Like he's such a def- definitive factor of their time in Indianapolis there's I almost don't even you, yeah. like there's some like you know Jim Harbaugh played there but like there's some you know there's some other things that happened in Indianapolis before Manning but they were awful I mean they were horrible they're horrible time you, you don't you don't see us wearing like George Sisler St. Louis St. Louis Browns baseball jerseys to the O's games like this is not a thing and same yeah, with same I with the they, Cleveland I think Colts fans like, do not wear Johnny Mays uniforms. I bet they don't. I, I would be surprised if there's some that do. But I think if they but do. But this is my point. Like, it's just not what you do. It's just. I think if there are people wearing them, they're older fans who, again, may not have had a team and they're like, oh, I, I recognize that name or like, I know that. I know Johnny Unitas. I know that number, but <clears throat> I'm just watching this video for the first time. I didn't watch the video at all today. I only saw their, their tweet about it. <laughs> the video is terrible. Like, yeah. trotting them out with the sign, we love our Colts. Like, it's that's bad. Because I thought the tweet was just like the name, like Unitas and Barry and, you know, Alan Amici and those guys. Like, and then, yeah, to throw in DeForest Buckner. Like, yeah, like, it's like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, like, what, what, what is going on here? I mean, that, the, yeah, the, it's, it's bad. And, and, I mean, the video is. And by the way, if you really want to, yeah, if you really want to do it, like buy into and like maybe try to like reach across the aisle and and like use the word Baltimore and like understand that like that's the previous history. <laughs> I was thinking about that, but wouldn't and they, they won't do that? God, that ship so sailed. It's so sailed. The, and the Ursays won't do that. I, I'm talking in like Candyland here, but I'm just saying like by just editing it, it just looks like kind of cheap and stupid. Just don't even like make the video. Don't even. And say, just be like, these are based off the uniforms from 19, whatever, and just move on. Like, don't do the entire, like, I mean, it's like a propaganda piece with, like, totally altered history. It's like, That's what like, are you doing? Like, could you imagine the Rams wearing jerseys from, like, the late 90s and being, like, throwing St. Louis on it? Like, that would probably, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Like, that would be. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's, it's such a bad. The thing bad. is, they, they kind of dip their toes into this. I want to say last year in the off season, they like redid their logo and a lot of it was centered around, Oh, we want to honor our past. We want to honor the, like they ch- they tweaked the logo in some way. Um, and then came up with an al- alternate logo. And at least the alternate logo was like, I respect it a little bit more because they made like a and the the inside of the C is like the shape of the state of Indiana. Like, okay, that that's something that makes a little sense. That's you rebuilding some new history. But like, um, they dipped their toes in, and we ate them alive last year too. And so like, 
they're just blatantly just like, no, fuck you guys. Like we just middle finger to Baltimore. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a very weird situation. I did enjoy, I enjoyed the outrage. It was a fun little like four hours of outrage from, from Baltimore fans online. Would you, would you support um, Houston Oilers throwbacks for the Titans? See, and, and that, that's been a conversation that's like happened a bunch of times where like Titans fan, obviously couldn't happen because of the, the, the helmet stuff. Um, and, and they're like, you know, could, you know, can the Titans wear them? And there's something, I forget why there's like something with the city of Houston still like owns that logo or whatever. I mean, I, I would like it. They, they wore, they wore some of the Oilers throwbacks a while ago, like a couple of years ago in the, what was it, the hall of fame game? And they wore that in the famous, uh, 59, nothing game in the snow, but then they haven't worn them in a while. Um, I mean, I think I, I don't know. It'd be sweet if if the Texans became the Oilers. It would. They need. It would something. be sim- very similar right to the Bobcats switching to the Hornets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, if the if the if the if Houston was like, we want to switch back. I don't think anyone in Tennessee would care. Again, I mean, I mean the Texans is such like a blah. Yeah. Blah. It's, it's, and again, they need like a whole situation franchise kind of they need to just strip it there yeah over. they're very much in a spot they could use rebrands they could use rebrand now would they have to read it you think they would redesign it or new colors because you would just get like because the titans really kind of stuck with those colors yeah I, I don't know i mean i again i think they just need to strip it down and start from from brand new but I don't i'm know. sure I they mean, could those Oilers unis are fire Maybe maybe the the Titans can just go full Tennessee and just evoke like the Tennessee Volunteers, just just throw, go orange or something, just totally change. Yeah, that two tone blue is too good though. Yeah, they have good stuff already. That's true. That's true. But it'll be interesting. I mean, that it'll be interesting if the Colts do this again. It, do they? That will be like. Are they? Did they take assess the other day and say, ah, probably not the right call to do this again. Oh, by the way, the the throwback is like almost exactly the same as their normal uniforms. Like it's. I was gonna say, what did they just move the, like did they just move the 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 horseshoes to the back of the helmet? Yeah, they replaced their numbers. Usually, there's a, there's numbers on, the on each side of the stripe, and then Ooh. it goes on the right side if it's a single digit. It'll be interesting to see if they sell other merch that's involved with this line because normally. You, you know, you're selling you, – you, you make throwback uniforms to sell. It looks like – I'm looking right now. They have, like, a Colts 2021 throwback collection, and it's Indianapolis Colts established 1953, like an old-school Johnny U, like one-bar face mask. Um, and they even had they, – they tweeted out some of the other – the old logos for, like, the um, – for, like, your phone background and all that, like the guy, the horse <laughs> with the helmet coming off him, holding a football and all that. Oh, come on. Like – yeah, I mean they they're they're tweeting it out with their horseshoe underneath of it too. So again, like I didn't expect many people. I feel like our age right now is kind of a cutoff for it. Like I wouldn't expect someone who's twenty one to be like up in arms about it, because again, like they're not they're they're just too young to know or remember it. But like obviously, we all get it from our parents. I saw Jimbo chiming in on it. Yeah, he well, just his little, is a hot his button, hot button item for him. His little comment on on uh, your blog was great. He wasn't he wasn't gonna miss his opportunity there. Oh yeah. I mean, I he might be one of the great underrated Twitter operators of his time. He's uh, somewhat incognito. 
somewhat not. Yeah, it's, he's, he, he's he, in he there. operates. He operates in the shadows. He operates. He does. In the he does. He at, least, in- at least in my shadows. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, we have to give a shout out, and we'll do this before we go um, to the interview with Sarah. The Orioles Rays game the other night on YouTube first. MLB broadcast with an all-female broadcast team. Melanie Newman on play-by-play. Obviously, does a lot of stuff with the Orioles. Sarah Lang's the analyst. Alana Rizzo, on-field reporter. Heidi Watney and Lauren Gardner hosted the pregame postgame coverage. Really cool and really cool for the Orioles to be a part of that. Um, they had the great clip on social media um, with the guys talking about it in the dugout. Um, and Melanie Newman just continues to get really, really cool opportunities in, involved in that. So shout-out to, shout to them. I didn't uh, see any of it. Um, I was on a, like, just not around a, a TV or, or I guess anything to stream during that game. So I don't know if RDT, if you checked it out at all, but very cool. Yeah. I, wa- I watched, um, I watched some of it again. I was kind of in and out and, and, but I was, I was watching it. And the worst part was Zach Campbell was in the YouTube chat the entire time, like commenting just the most insane stuff. Like <laughs> shut, Zach Campbell is, it needs to go far. Zach far Campbell stuff. making that about him. Is yeah. Something like else. he was like, wow, what an amazing pitch. I, they, the spin rate on that was amazing. It's like, all right, nerd, shut up. Um, no, but I, I mean, I thought it was great. I think it was awesome. Um, I was going back today and reading some of the, the, not reviews on it, but what people were saying. And, and I mean, people loved it. Melanie was getting great praise because I, I think Melanie is very good. Um, and, and she was great last night. The whole, the whole crew was great. Um, it, it's a shame that it wasn't a better game. I know the Orioles kind of made it close and then they got busted open, but I, I definitely thought it was cool that Again, we've all – all of us around here, if you're listening to the game on, on radio or if you're watching it or if you're trying to stream it, I think Taylor said he streams a lot of the games um, from, you know, whatever device he has. Yeah, um, sure. You know, we're, from, we're familiar with Melanie, and I think, I think we're going to get her on the podcast too. We're just – we're still trying to figure something out. But um, I thought it was neat that everyone, again, is kind, can get the taste of Melanie and, and everyone else because, again, I mean, you, you don't become a, an MLB – play-by-play analyst or color analyst or sideline reporter just just you know they, they don't just hand those positions away um melanie was awesome but yeah they, they were all really good and i'm glad that people seem to enjoy it obviously you had the people who were like oh i'm not watching it's full of females blah 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 it's like all right well you're 70 years old and you're very upset about it and just and then, go die i even saw <laughs> i even saw like people complaining that it was on youtube it's like for years we've been talking about like how awesome it would be if you could pop up YouTube and have a game there. And now it is, and people are still complaining. And it was like, just, just shut up and, and enjoy it. Like, just it's a baseball game for free on YouTube. Just fucking watch it. It's so, yeah. yeah. I was like, we can't, we don't we can't get complain it. about this. Speak, speaking, of old, speaking of old cranky people, uh, our buddy Jerry is chirping at Dave Portnoy right now. I saw it. I saw that. The number yeah. one, uh, the number one Jerry Coleman show? podcast. Why would he not be? I don't know. I didn't know. You, I, you know, you've had a week to think about it. I didn't know. If you <laughs> what I mean, was there to think about? I, I'm asking you. Band's a band. All right. He's banned. Jerry, you're still banned. Sorry, man. Still <laughs> banned. And, and going, going after, going after Portnoy, probably not going to help. I don't know what the, what's happening there, but. Uh, coach, um, coach the whole thing with Dion and and, and uh, coach. coach Coach Saban and the back and forth with Brett McMurphy about that. He chimed in and said, uh, "He said to Dave, curious how many press conferences you have been to. Oh, how about the go. respect he showed Tim McCarver? Which I don't even get that one. Tim McCarver. 
Here's what I'll say about the Dion thing. I don't really understand. Like, if I'm Dion, I want to be called Dion. I didn't. I haven't watched the clip, and I guess you know he asked. I. I. I so I'm. That's always a great thing to say. Like, I haven't watched it. I've just read about it. So, like, you're just speaking at a turn. <laughs> With that said, like, his whole brand has always been being Dion, and I think that's, like, one of his best assets as a program builder and as a recruiter and all those different things. So, I would just love – I would just – I would hope people were calling me Dion as opposed to, like, Coach Sanders or Coach Prime or whatever. Like, Dion well, is, your, is your brand. And Dion Sanders is a smart guy. You, don't, you haven't done all the things he's done without being really sharp. So I'm, I'm just surprised, but maybe he's got a different, he's got a different view of things. His Obviously, thing he was, he said, you know, you don't go into a press conference and call coach Saban. You don't call him Nick. He's basically said you'd get your ass chewed out and you wouldn't get your question answered, which makes sense. You're not going to see anyone going in there and calling him Nick. But they know. do. The thing is they do call Nick Saban. Nick. I always thought they called him coach or coach media Saban does. or whatever. Some of their media does. Some call them Nick. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Then yeah, that was why people were, didn't get it because then Alabama media was like, we've covered Nick Saban people for a while Nick and he doesn't care. I saw, I saw no. our friend of the program friend in real life, Bobby Trossett. He said, you know, I always call coach Harbaugh, coach Harbaugh. It's a, it's, it's a different thing. There's some journalists that think they don't want to feel like they're talking to someone that's above them. So they don't like for coach Turgeon, they'll call him Mark. And then I think there's other, and, and it's coach to coach. Some coaches like real, they see coaches like a do, like doctor, like they, you have to call them coach and others don't care. It's just talk about something that just doesn't matter. That's like exploded into a big topic of conversation. I, I said, thank you blue to one of our softball umpires. And he was wearing a red shirt and he said, don't call me that. It's not my name. <laughs> I said, oh, that's good, everybody. Wow. Hardo. Yeah. I pay your uh, salary with my dues. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very bizarre. That's very, very bizarre. <laughs> Let's go to our interview with Sarah Perlman. You guys uh, talked to Sarah for about a half an hour a couple of days ago, um, and, and the story's been so well told, and I'm sure it was, was interesting and, and I'm sure, you know, enlightening times to get into it with her. Yeah, it was, it was awesome getting to uh, sit down and talk with her. It was a long time coming. I think the first confirmed couple we've had on the show, Trey and, and Sarah. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think you did call her, her Trey's wife at the beginning of the show. We'll, we'll go on record. I don't believe they're married. Oh, did yeah, I do that? Sure. I think no, no, I did no, that. I think oh, they, oh. I well, I mean, you know, I'm just putting the carpet. I don't. I don't, I don't want to. So loving. I don't want to force anything on Trey or you know anything like that. Um, but no, it, it was it was awesome to sit down and talk with her because again, we I've been talking to her you know behind the scenes and and met up with her at a couple games and um, I mean you know she's been a big part of the story too and we talked about the ESPN article which um, I confess that I didn't know that magazines weren't made anymore. Uh, especially that one. Um, but no, it was because it was cool to hear again, not to every, we all, we know Trey's side of the story, his perspective of it. But again, Sarah has been there for literally every step of the way. So obviously just wanted to give her some shine and, and, you know, kind of tell the story from her point of view, but also she's an awesome sports journalist, media yeah. person herself. So it's not, you know, her story isn't all Trey. She has her own story and we uh, dove into that with her too. So it was a, it was a really uh, cool, cool interview. And, we were kind of limited on time, but we're definitely going to get her back on again. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll catch up with her at a baseball game soon. Yeah. I mean, she made some sacrifices like anyone does in, in the type of position that she was in, but um, sacrifices to a career that that's a very public career. And um, 
there are definitely some struggles, I think, for everybody in the industry, given that there were no games for an extended period of time. So she's kind of had her own little mini roller coaster of sorts in terms of how her career has gone. But um, glad to see that she's doing some more more of the uh, the sports gambling types of things. And we dive into that a little bit and uh, try to pick pick her brain a little bit on some 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 NFL futures and things like that. So um, we might have her on again at some point to talk about some some things along those lines. So. Uh, yeah, it's a good interview for sure. Let's get to that interview with Sarah Perlman. Something magic happens. So we are now welcome with someone who Orioles fans are very familiar with. We saw you on screen for a couple seasons with Masson on the sidelines down at Nats Park, down at Camden Yards. Um, now you're over at NBC Sports. But most importantly, um, you had a, a scary and terrifying front row seat for, I think, what a lot of people consider is the best story in sports right now. Um, we have Sarah Perlman on, again, former Masson employee, uh, now NBC Sports, and Trey Mancini's girlfriend. So um, we'll just get the questions out of the way first. Uh, well, number one, thank you for joining us. But I'm number so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. And no number two, what's the last 16, 17 months been like for, for not just Trey, but for you and, and, of course, the puppy lounging in the background? Yeah, Olympia, she went to daycare today because as you mentioned, I work and I'm still hosting from home, not in Connecticut. So I picked her up about 45 minutes ago. And if anyone's seeing this, not sure if it's just audio, she's passed out. Like <laughs> she's done for the day. She's really lucky. Um, the last 16 months in all seriousness have been wild. I think that's the best way to put everything into perspective. As I look back, I think it becomes almost weirder that it was at this point so long ago. I think for everyone, everyone had a really tough time with COVID and the initial lockdown and lost a lot of loved ones. So I will say it was probably a really tough time period for a lot of people. And I think most people because of the lockdown and COVID had such a weird kind of foggy year. A lot of people I talked to think that their last year was a blur and mine feels pretty similar in a sense. I don't take for granted and I definitely remember a lot of the tough days, but I do, as I mentioned recently in the ESPN article, feel sometimes like I blacked a lot of it out and just kind of felt like full force, fight or flight, we gotta get through it. And I never really fully took the time to absorb it. Now when I look back, I actually find it harder now than I did at the time. And I know that sounds wild. I think just because I didn't really allow myself to feel bad for us and to feel sad because I think it was such a time that we both really needed the momentum and energy to keep going and fighting and moving forward. So kind of a blur, um, a lot of bad days, a lot of awesome days now over the last 18 months, but certainly during, you know, the majority of COVID and for those six months of trace chemo was hands down the hardest time of my life. I would be lying if I said that wasn't the case, but now on the other side and, you know, after the home run derby and so many amazing moments. And yes, the best story in sports, but also it's a story of our lives, which is really crazy. It's, it's been really special. I think um, to watch Trey, to help Trey, to grow as a relationship and learn a lot about ourselves and step forward in so many ways has been special, but wild, really, really, really wild. I mean, seeing you at Camden Yards, Eric, even if what, a month or two ago, it's just like, it feels like how did we get here in a sense? No, absolutely. Um, and, and you talked about the ESPN piece, which was awesome. And I, like, I read it. I was so excited when I saw it. The pictures were great and everything about it. And you want to know how behind the times I am? We were talking about it on the podcast, and I said, I'm going to go out and buy that ESPN uh, magazine and, like, get it framed and hang it up <laughs> in the basement or something. 
and that's when Banks and Taylor told me that they haven't made that magazine in like three years. Like, right? No, if you found it, I was gonna say, can you send me a copy? Because I'd love one. I was like, I didn't know that it wasn't like a physical magazine anymore. They stopped that a long time. Ago. Yeah, I, I googled it, and it was like September 2019, and I was like, well, there you Maybe go. Maybe someone will print us a copy. Yeah, if there's there like co- if they're gonna call them cover stories, they've got to make a cover of some sort. Yeah, right? That's what they're I gonna- was thinking. I kind of agree with that. I was like, wait, if there, there's all these pictures. Like, they took pictures for this magazine article. Like, what do you mean they're, they don't make the magazine? And then I found it right there online. It's the first thing I looked up. But um, you talked about, you know, a good memory, which was not that long ago, the Home Run Derby. Um, what was it like being there, and how nervous were you watching him? Like, when I was doing the math in my head, like, all right, Trey's going to go in the first – he's going to be the first, you know, round that goes. He's going to be the first matchup. And I'm like – kind of hope he doesn't get tired and at 820 this thing is over and he's you know with 11 home runs and we're we're getting ready to move on with our night but what was that derby like in Colorado I have the chills because the derby was that crazy (laughs) I've covered the derby before obviously you know never dated someone in the derby and especially you know Trey so um that being said working it's so different than going and having your significant other slash everything we've been through kind of come to fruition and that day it seriously was the coolest day ever and been around sports my whole life, obviously worked in them. That was the best sporting event I've ever been to, hands down. It was electric, loud, packed. We had a ton of family, a ton of friends there. And by the end of it, we had people like that came in with like A's jerseys, Angels jerseys, whatever around us. Like I need to one time send you a video from my phone, all rooting for Trey at the end. <laughs> like you would think it was his family also behind our huge crowd. Um, special when he called the timeout and what he had two at the time, like me and his friends, I was sitting with a lot of his best guy friends and his sister, her boyfriend. And I'm like panicking. I'm like, Oh no. Like, <laughs> and then when he, I don't know, went off and hit 10 in a row, I lost my voice and I had to work the next day. So I'm like, well, there goes that, um, screamed <laughs> like no tomorrow. It was incredible. Love course field. The event was insane, but it was Insane. That's the perfect word. No voice, screaming, jumping on the chairs, people yelling to sit down. We're not sitting. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> we were pretty much the same way at Jimmy Seafood. We had a whole group there and everybody was, was just rocking because everybody had that same nervous, chilled moment like, oh man, it was, you know, maybe this just isn't in the cards tonight. Like it was just great getting here. Like this is a great moment in itself. And then he just ripped off all those homers. Everybody got all fired up. Um, I want to go back a little bit to that ESPN article where uh, Trey had mentioned that there's some foods that you just he just can't eat anymore it's just out of the question yeah what how has that adversely affected you and then what is like what is that food that you go and get when he's out of town it's like oh I can't get that when he's around but I'm gonna I'm gonna go dive into that since he's out in Tampa right now or wherever he might be (laughs) it's really funny so foods that he hates there's a few and a few that I've ruined for him, unfortunately. But the day before he started chemo, it was like Easter time and we picked up Easter dinner because like I wasn't cooking. We were exhausted dealing with everything. We were trying to get organized to start chemotherapy. And we picked up like chicken kind of pancetta from this restaurant, RPM in DC. Like it was like a specialized Easter meal. We were trying in, in the grand scheme of things, trying to make it like a nice Easter dinner before like the next six months started. But it we didn't know. No one warned us, hey, the food's going to be ruined. So we had like, it came with like mashed potatoes, truffle, maybe it was truffle mashed potatoes or truffle mac and cheese and like a chicken pancetta thing. If he smells any of those foods, like it's game over in this household. He will not look at chicken pancetta. Truffle's gone. And 
I went through a similar phase with truffle because he kept talking about how much he hated it, that it made me not like it. But true story, this past, was it Sunday? On Sunday, I went out with some girlfriends to lunch and I got truffle fries because I was like, there's no other time I can do this. I got to get <laughs> it now. Um, I ruined peanut butter wraps for him. He'll eat peanut butter on bread, but on a wrap. I love peanut butter wraps. Is that a thing? <laughs> peanut butter wraps? Peanut butter banana wrap. Like it's a healthier instead of bread. I'll get like a healthy wrap. Okay. But that's a, that's a big no. Little bites, like muffins. Oh, yeah. He was really skinny at a time and they're not good for you, but he was getting through treatment. So I was like in my head, I'm like, if these muffins get ruined, who cares? They're terrible for you. And he just needed only, to eat a little something. They only put like three or four in each yeah, pack. Well, it's kind of ridiculous. Those are also banned from this household. Okay? <laughs> little bites are not happening here. They're those never going to fill you up. Those are the main ones. <laughs> And now, so again, you talked about the foods he can't eat, um, talked about the chemo trips a little bit, w just this day last year, this month, this week, whatever, compared to this day, this year, how much, like, how awesome is it for you to like get up and go to the ballpark and see him and, and again, kind of put all these horror stories for better or for worse behind you guys. Again, it's like you, you were now knock on wood, we're, we're almost back to normal pretty much everywhere. And again, now you guys are, you're just living your life like, like this almost never really happened. How, how great is that for you guys? Yeah, I think you kind of put it perfectly. It's really cool. We always like get memories on our phone from a year ago, like everyone does, you know, and we'll just always, not always, but every time, every so often sit back. And we do try to think about it. Like a year ago, this was happening, right? A year ago, Trey was in treatment. That's a fact. And it's not that we forget about it, but to your point now, like when I got off phone with Trey, you know, an hour ago when he was leaving for the field, it's like, it doesn't cross our mind. You know, we're so focused on this moment, on the present and enjoying, we really do enjoy each day, maybe more than we would have before. I'm not positive, but it's incredible going to the park each day, watching him after last year probably feels way more special each game and each accomplishment that he does throughout his career, I think will feel a little bit sweeter, a little more special. And there's really no other better way to say it. Every single time I get to see him healthy and we get blood results that come back positive, which we have and scans that come back clean, which we have nothing compares. I mean, there's nothing better. And especially what he's doing with his career on the side and raising awareness along the way, what we're working on. It's been nothing shy of incredible. And so, so you talked about the awareness he's bringing. I know you work closely with his sisters on the Trey Mancini foundation. Can you dive into that a little bit? And again, talk about what he was doing at the Derby and and raising the awareness there for it. Sure. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. There's a few things that we're kind of getting to now. The first thing I want to read is because I'm not sure when this podcast comes out, but on Sunday, we're actually doing a drive with the Orioles where if people can bring canned soup, cereal, shelf-stable milk, and monetary donations, it's going to go to the Blessings in a Backpack, which is a big thing that we're doing right now for the Trey Mancini Foundation to help kids in Baltimore and right outside Baltimore. So Blessings in a Backpack is a huge one we partner with. And we're still trying to figure out a lot with cancer research, certainly done a ton of donations there, but we're doing not only colorectal cancers, obviously a lot others, but the foundation's been huge. And because of a lot of our partners, Preston, Pepsi, you name it, we raised a ton of money during the Derby. So that was just an incredible special event, but his sister Katie's been 
on top of it. And it's just the beginning, I think, for the foundation. And the Derby was able to really take it to a new level, which we weren't expecting so early on. But the Trey, Manc the Trey Mancini Foundation um, is geared a lot towards cancer. And then for kids inside inner city Baltimore, right outside Baltimore for blessings and a backpack to help with school supplies, food, et cetera, for young children. That's all fantastic That's stuff. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's really special to, to take such a traumatic experience and try to, you know, pivot and then make it into a good thing and then push uh, good messages forward for everybody involved. Um, pivoting off of the, kind of I don't know mushy or whatever you want to call it you yeah. know all the, the sentimental stuff um let's just uh dive into your background I mean what was your road here to to this area uh whether it be to to Basson originally and then NBC Sports uh you know where did you know where did the Sarah Perlman start uh story start so I was in DC for my first two years of college because I played soccer at American Mm -hmm. on scholarship I didn't want to play anymore so I finished at the University of Florida which was awesome I'm from Florida and then when the opportunity came when I was graduating I was freelancing a little bit for CBS and doing sideline and soccer to come to Masson and cover the Orioles and Nationals I did that for two and a half seasons ish and then when I got the opportunity to do sideline for the Orioles it was awesome I loved it but I love sports betting and it's not that I don't love baseball. I do. I, I love sideline, but the opportunity came to host a longer show and uh, grow my career in that way because sideline is wonderful. And a lot of people will tell you, I mean, nothing's better than covering a team, but I was ready just to talk a little bit more and have an opinion and, and kind of make a name for myself in that way. And sports betting was just taking off. So when I got the call to audition for a show, I did so. I left to NBC Sports. So I hosted that show for a year and then COVID happened and canceled it. So I wanted to stay in sports betting. Um, so I freelanced for it's Odyssey now and then Fox Sports. I did an NFL show betting for them last season. And then NBC said, come on back. We're back. We're getting back up and running. So I now host a sports betting show for them, Bet the Edge, and a lot of other betting content coming, a new show coming for the NFL season um, that'll be announced shortly. And it's been really fun. I love the the you know, it is still journalism, but I do love the broadcasting space and I'm a big sports better myself and I love the NFL. So it's been really fun. And what's cool is my schedule's pretty nice right now that I work, you know, pretty typical hours as most people, my shows in the morning. So I get to at night go to Camden Yard. So I kind of get the best of both worlds. And after last year was so crazy, not working as much and really taking care of Trey, my career, I was like, not sure exactly where it was going to go because I had to turn down some work at the time to help him. And that's a risk that in this business, as you guys are probably familiar, even doing this podcast, you start becoming a little relevant. Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, I knew I wanted to keep working and I love NBC. I love the show I do now. I work with an awesome handicapper and it's fun. I get to cover all sports and we're, I'm super excited for the NFL. I know you're, you're Ravens. Sure. That's now my adopted team. So um, glad, to, glad to have you, have you aboard. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get Trey. He he did root for the Ravens when I know that you're a Titans fan, but we went to the Titans-Ravens game last season, and I was the only one with a Ravens jersey. I was hated in Nashville, but it was so fun. <laughs> well, I know because you guys, I mean, I, I know Trey has is, is spent some time down there, and after that game, you know, scrolling online, seeing the picture of you in front of the, you know, the stadium, I was like, well, what, you know, not not great. It wasn't a, It wasn't a great one for me, but 
I know. Um, I said we have a love for I have a love for Baltimore being here for so many years now. Weirdly, that I'm like I have to wear the Lamar jersey. Like I gotta yeah, do it. Everyone's could, looking at me in Nashville. Like get this girl out of here. You could have wore 22 for Derrick Henry. Would have been. <laughs> um, you, you talked about the Masson. You know, you're sitting at Masson for a little bit. How mad do you get when that clip of you and Max Scherzer talking about the drop third strike goes viral and they cut you out every single time? Like you see, like your hand in the microphone and that it goes viral. It's like every it's, it's probably like once a baseball I, season since then. I know. Why do they do that? I, and I like pitching Ninja. I don't know, Rob, what's going on over there. I, I, I can't even get mad because I'm like, you know what? It was obviously a good interview if I, if I got such a great answer and that from players and people, which I still like to do. I still, you know, do some, some interviews for NBC with athletes or whatever. So I'm more like, hello, I did that. You can see me. That's my blazer. Stop cutting me out. But you know what? The real people know who got that answer, and it comes up. The third strike comes up all the time. It's funny because I all think the yeah. I think when it came up last year, something came up. I don't know in the playoffs or something. And our friend Olivia had reposted it, and I said like, "Oh, there's Sarah's elbow, or there's her shoulder, or something like that." And it's like they're like, time. "Who's doing this interview?" I'm like, "Hello, it's me." It's like just credit <laughs> Masson, and it's like, "Well, no, Sarah's like she's literally sitting <laughs> right there." That's all right. That's, I, I, I love that interview because, it, again, it always comes up, and I'm like, oh, he has a, he has a good point. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword there. But um, I talked to Trey last year, and it was when he was watching The Wire. Did you watch it with him? And I've watched The Wire so many times. All right, yes. good. Okay. And so, so you were kind of walking him through it, right? Yeah, but he is someone that when he watches a show – he watches it and then he reads more in depth about it. So it takes us a long time to really break down the episode. All right. Super methodical process. But yes, we watched it together. I was going to say that I do that too, where like the second oh. I finish a movie, I'm on IMDb. Like, that's right. That's not me. The... I'm like, let's move on and watch the next episode. It's done. We got to do a full breakdown after. All right. Who, who's your favorite <laughs> character and favorite season on The Wire then? It, it, it's, it's a tough question, but it, it had to be asked. Give me a few minutes. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll we'll, we can circle back around to Let's that. Let's circle one. back. Okay. And then I got a, another short one real quick. What's your favorite interview that you've ever done? Is it the Scherzer one or is there another one? And it could be from a, just a, a little sideline hit, a little a, right. something at an internship or something. What's your favorite one you've ever done? It's a really good question. I think there's a few that stand out. One would actually be with Anthony Santander, who I, you know, he's an awesome person, awesome athlete and player. We did an interview right before I left Mass and talking about his family life and what was going on in Venezuela. And it had an impact that resonated with me. And I think a lot of people um, just speaking about kind of his family situation, what was going on there. And he really opened up about it. And there was also one with Richie Martin's father at the time who um, served in the military for, for quite some time. And um, had some dark days, but was still able to, to kind of vocalize it throughout. I, I'm blanking on which, which day I had him on. Um, but maybe it was Memorial Day. I'm blanking a few years back. But those are two right off the, the bat. And then I joke that, you know, every interview I did with Trey was great because he would give me really good answers for sideline hits as well as Stevie Wilkerson. I used to joke I would just go to them and be like, you know, it was a tough stretch. I'm like, give me something good. And they would normally give me a nice, nice nugget to run with. But the Santander one definitely – definitely stands out nice nice i think i think i remember the richie martin one i don't remember santander but i'm sure i'll have to find that we'll have to find it somewhere and i'm still thinking of my character from the wire and i don't i don't know 
it's all right. Like, I feel like in the final season, McNulty was so upsetting, but he brought so much, so many good storylines, and it was infuriating mm -hmm. to watch, but I think he's my favorite because without him, the show wouldn't be what it is. Again, I, I like, I wouldn't, I would never crap on anyone for saying McNulty's their favorite. I feel like you could ask a hundred different people and you get a hundred different answers on who the favorite character Who does Michael B. Jordan play in the first season? Wallace. Yes. Love him. Wallace had to go, though. Aww. Wallace, Wallace was soft. I know. I cried a lot when he was killed. Oh, my, my wife. Massive spoilers here, but yeah. I'm sorry. If you haven't no, watched the show in the oh, last no, 20 no, years, now's the time. Yeah, okay. The show ended like 17 years ago. I think, I think the statute of limitations is passed. Well, just with a spoiler alert over this we, We'll have to keep uh, Taylor from listening to this interview until he oh, watches, though. That's right. He's never seen we, it. That's our third nice. podcast members never watch it, and he's made a promise to finish the entire thing by the end of the season or the, the off season before the Ravens start, and he hasn't even started yet. So well, he's going to have to watch about 16 episodes a day. Yeah, we're, we're due to bash him over the head with it here any episode. Don't now. even tell him, spoiler alert. Not his <laughs> way of knowing. That's <laughs> true, yeah. We'll he just doesn't deserve it. <laughs> um, Are you, you and, oh, no, you sorry. There we go. Uh, <laughs> you, and, uh, you and Trey play a little tennis uh, over, you know, that was kind of your, your therapeutic exercise to kind of get out there and do all those types of things. Uh, who's the better player? I mean, it's really hard to be answer. a major league baseball player. It's really oh. hard, honestly. He's really good. Not only his power, he played tennis a lot growing up. It's like his second best sport. I always tell him, I'm like, I think if he didn't – my mom was really good at tennis and played college tennis and almost pro, so I've seen really good tennis. And, and actually, Trey's mom's an awesome player. But Trey – I tell him all the time, I'm like, if you didn't train for, for – uh, baseball your whole life growing up he would have been an amazing like college star tennis player he's so good but I could hold my own but naturally he's you know if he's like hitting hard shots I don't even have time to think about it um, <laughs> but that's I always joke it's the only thing we fight about because it's true because I'm very competitive and as is he but we play a ton I'm good but he's actually a great tennis player <laughs> yeah I mean it's like a secret weapon where again I mean right. he We've always, we've met him. He's, a, he's a massive person. I'm sure he, and again, we've seen how far he can hit a baseball. Like it wouldn't be fun standing on the other side of that, that court. Right. And his swing is kind of similar. Like I understand with, with golf, his swings like off. So maybe if I got good at that, but if you know, we could, I could hold my own, but it's, if he's playing well, it's, it's like, I'm leaving the court. I'm like, forget it. I don't want to be here. <laughs> Play backhanded the whole game. Now, do you ever give him crap? Because again, in the, in the ESPN article, I read about it and, and I've talked to him about it a little bit. All he wanted to do out of high school was go to a Florida school. That's all he wanted to do. And you graduated from Florida. Do you ever like hold that above his head? I don't because I'm always like, wow, we would have been to college together. That would have been so funny if you went to Florida, but it totally worked out that he didn't clearly given his path and you know, his success to this point. But sometimes and yeah, he's, he loves Florida, but he's like, I would have went to Florida State anyway. I'm like, well, it's not as good of a school. So, but we joke. He's such a Notre Dame guy that he's the happiest. Like he will, we'll talk about anything. And it relates back to Notre Dame at the end of the conversation. So as much as he, you know, always says he wishes he was recruited by Florida schools, that guy loves Notre Dame more than probably I love anything in the world. Um, so I think it worked out okay, but sometimes I do. 
because I always say, I wonder what I, you know, we see pictures of each other, especially him when he was like 18. I'm like, I wonder if you would have liked Florida, like the going out scene's different, you know, like when you're 18, it's different at Florida than Notre Dame. Like we're not bundled up, like stuff like that we'll joke about. And, um, but he loves Notre Dame. I hear about the games, the bar scene, you name it all the time. Uh, but I always say, I'm like, eh, it's their loss. <laughs> it's, it's funny because um, when he was coming up through the minors, I feel like his identity was like, oh, he came up through Notre Dame, and I grew up as a Notre Dame fan my entire life. Oh, well, you uh, guys could get on a phone, and you guys will talk each other's ear off for Notre Dame. Right. So I actually told him four or five, maybe six years ago on a previous iteration of this podcast that he basically stole my dream life. <laughs> so my dream was to go play first base at Notre Dame. Uh, didn't do that. Uh, also play first base for the Orioles. Didn't do that either. And then, like, my number is 44, and watching him hit – all these home runs in the home run derby. You're like, um, that should be me. In that jersey. It was almost like surreal. Like, wow. Like, this guy's just living all of my dreams. And he's just, you know, I'm just sitting here in Jimmy Seafood. Uh, but, you know, woe is me, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. So, the 44 was cool. But you guys, should, you guys, if you haven't, could talk about Notre Dame forever. I recently <laughs> did an interview with Kyle Rudolph when I was at the American Century Championship and was talking to Kyle about Notre Dame. He loved it too. And then I told Trey, I was like, hey, babe, I sat down with Kyle Rudolph. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, you're the only professional athlete that would like really like die to meet another Notre Dame professional athlete. But he loves Notre Dame that much. The thing about Trey, or at least it comes across this way, is he seems so humble that I don't think he – it doesn't seem like he understands that he's at a level of fame here where he could easily just reach out to Kyle Rudolph and they'd probably be great buds. Oh, he totally could, but he wouldn't if you know Trey. He's so humble in that way. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, even, he wouldn't even do that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, maybe if we ever run into Kyle again, I'd have to tell him. But he would love nothing more to talk Notre Dame with him <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, so – Getting back to the, the NBC Sports Edge yeah. and the points bet and all that types of stuff. You have a favorite type of bet? Uh, not favorite type. Um, I bet mostly the NFL. I talk a lot about lines in baseball. Baseball handicapping is extremely hard, but I bet mostly mostly spreads. I don't really even bet too many totals and props in the NFL. That's normally what I'm best at and what I focus on most. So it's not. I don't really have a favorite type of bet, but I love the NFL. Like hands down the best betting in my opinion and I think probably majority of people that are more casual betters so I look forward to the NFL season like the second the Super Bowl ends I'm sad yeah 100% I'm kind of the resident gambler of this podcast and um okay I was gonna I was gonna ask you what are there any futures out there you like for the season coming up at all I do I kind of, we were joking today like not even joking just kind of looking ahead I'm like wow I need to start getting these bets in because win totals are a really good market mm -hmm. to hit on especially um if you like to do it in July because there's a little bit of movement but they're pretty locked in and I like the Chargers over I kind of like the Ravens over I love the Ravens to cover every first for Baltimore people every first game spread forever Harbaugh just goes out and kicks the front door off every team in the first week um I also like the Chiefs over I know it's a little chalky but I think they can get to 13 wins in the 17 game season pretty easy schedule good defense mm -hmm. Looking at some Trevor Lawrence rushing yards, so I'm all over the place. But those are my favorite. Um, a lot of sharper people I work with, like the football team in the futures market, I haven't gotten involved yet, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm skeptical myself on that one. <laughs> I'm going to make some MVP bets. I'm just not sure who yet. I like Christian McCaffrey. He's like 50 to 1 right now, something, something insane that I'm going to have to dabble in. 
It's not a bad thought at all. We could go, we could talk for days on that type of stuff for sure. Oh yeah. Call me another time and we'll, we'll get into it. I just started uh, really doing a lot of my, I do a lot of spreadsheets and stuff trying to work through it. So we're getting sure. Sure. Um, I just came out the other side of the golf major future kind of thing. So I'm, I'm kind of raring, uh, chomping at the bit, if you will, at the uh, NFL futures this, these past two mornings, just getting up and like, Oh, what's my new thing? Like golf is over for the most part. Like, what am I going to tackle next? Obviously the NFL is right around the corner. We'll jump on a a call another time and break this down and then people can ask you for our plays, but maybe I'll call you because I'm going to Ryder Cup, the Ryder Cup for work, which will be great, but. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm super excited, but now I'm like focusing on NFL, but also got to keep my eye on that. So I'm all over the place, but those are the two things I'm working on with NBC. Mm -hmm. Sure. I was going to ask, we got one, one last quick one. It could be two, two words or less. Give it, do you have any fantasy football uh, draft sleeper people, you know, later in the draft or anything like that, that you want to, you want to slide out to anyone listening? Uh, I don't yet. Give me a, give me a little bit. I'm not a huge, it's funny. I'm not a huge fantasy football person. Like okay. I'll help Trey a little bit. Cause they have a big Orioles one. Like last year, I definitely did some research for him, but Really, I'm not a huge fantasy person. I really stay in the betting space and strictly um, maybe daily fantasy. Like, I'll definitely mess around in FanDuel and DraftKings in the regular season. But season long, who's yours? Sleeper? Give me a sleeper. I don't know about a sleeper. I, I tweeted today. I tried to go out and buy those, those fantasy football and NFL preview magazines. I couldn't find them in any store yesterday. So I don't know. Because they're sold out? I, I just couldn't find them. I'm like, do they just not make magazines anymore? So are you the magazine guy? He's a magazine. Yes. I know like those those magazines I need to hold and and I need to physically have them to read them. That's I'm a big hold the physical thing. And I mean I'm not a big fantasy football guy myself, but in terms of having a sheet and just having something that's paper, you know, like under your fingers. Yeah. You just got to have a sheet of, of, of your card for the given day or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Um but the magazine, I mean you're you're delving into the magazine aisle, like you're that guy. There's nothing better than going to the beach with like a stack full of those Athlon magazines, like the season preview and just like ripping through. I do. I do like those. Yeah. Like I'll that. have I just, your back on that. I, I'll figure, I'll figure out a sleeper and I'll, I'll tweet it to you just randomly one day. You'll wake up at like seven 30 yeah, in the like, morning and you'll have like tweeting me at this hour. Jake Funk running back. That's all it's going to say. Something like that. I was going to say Jake Funk is like, He's hey, the you got the came, came acres injury today. You know, yes. He's on the death chart. Everyone's panicking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. But all right, we will go ahead. We'll, uh, we'll let you get out of here, Sarah. Um, let the people know where they can find you either on TV, on Twitter, on Instagram, any, anything. Yeah. You could, the best way to find me, I think, and you'll see a lot of my shows. I try to tweet out what we're doing for the week or Instagram story. Most of the time, just at Sarah Perlman, you could find me across all handles there. And please look up the Trey Mancini foundation. If you haven't a lot of work going into that, um, whether it's, you can't donate totally fine. You can bring food to the game on Sunday. I know that press release went out for the Orioles when they're playing the nationals, which is this Sunday. Hopefully the podcast is released by then. Um, and then if not monetary or just message us, maybe there's a way you can help out in another way, but that's the most important right now. So we would appreciate that. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for your time and, uh, hopefully we'll run into you at an Oriole game soon. Thanks guys. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Back to you in the studio. Awesome conversation right there with Sarah. Really appreciate her coming on the show. Uh, guys, I, I think we're definitely going to have to have her on again. I mean, you guys obviously touched on a variety of different things, but you know, the X-22 podcast loves, loves just expanding more. You guys had a half an hour. We'll have her back on. We'll talk about a bunch of different stuff. For sure. She's an exciting personality too. I mean, you could tell she's really into the, 
the gambling side of things. She's really passionate about it. Um, uh, very much of the new age stuff, this, the, the line spreads, totals, all, you know, all that good stuff. Um, not, no, not necessarily the fancy stuff, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's where things are trending and we're very close to having it here in the state of Maryland. And, uh, maybe, maybe she's a good candidate to have on right around whenever that goes live. I think it's really interesting too, that that's sort of the career path she's gone to. Cause I think that, and, and, you know, Banks, you're, you're into the gambling stuff a little bit. It's just where so much of the media dollars are going now. It's finding people that can host those type of shows, analysts, and, and people that understand that game. You're seeing so many of the media companies get into it and, and put daily shows, online shows, you know, things digitally. So pretty savvy move on her part to kind of like break into that, that gambling type of sphere and, and go that way. One of the things that people are going to be able to gamble a lot on in the next few weeks is the Olympics, and that takes us to the Fed Thrill Starting Five Draft. The sunglasses, boys, are going on because, my goodness, has it been hot and sunny around the Baltimore area and around Maryland. Banks, you and I were in Ocean City, and you were rocking your Fed Thrills out on the boat, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful sight. We were having some beers because, the, as I showed you in the in the Ocean City draft, it's really just all about having drinks by the water in however way, shape, or form. And that's what we were doing. And if you want to wear your Fed Thrill sunglasses, just like Miss Your Banks, you can go to you can go to their website, use the promo code XFIT to get twenty percent off all the Maryland related designs: Orioles, Ravens, the great state flag of Maryland, all involved. Um, and they work great as, as you showed off, Max, it was, it was great to see in the sunnies. Oh, absolutely. You're on the boat and it's, you're having those, uh, golden hour beers out mm-hmm. there just relaxing. The sun is low in the sky. So it's going to be in your eyes a little bit. You want to guard your eyes. Um, as my, my APUS history teacher used to say, every time he turned, uh, turned on the lights from the overhead being off, he said, guard your eyes. Wish I had some federal sunglasses back then. Didn't have them. Couldn't mm-hmm. guard my eyes. I had to use my hand. But if I had some federal sunglasses, I'd be looking fly AF out there. Um, and my eyes would be nice and protected. Uh, they're very affordable sunglasses. Uh, they're very premium, as you can see on Taylor now, because we can all, everybody's looking at him right now. Mm-hmm. Not just the two of us here, but um, yeah, the, it's, it's a fantastic product. I've been wearing them for five, six years now. And uh I'm not going anywhere else. I mean, Fed Thrill is the way to go. Fed Thrill, absolutely the way to go. And all those people now, right now in AP US history, you got asked to, you know, deal with the sun. 20% off, X52 is the promo code. As we said, starting five, the Olympics. Oh, are me and Banks big Olympics, guys. My goodness gracious. I think it's one of the first things we bonded about was the Olympics, Banks. And they're back. Starting well, they've already started as softball rages on here on NBCSN. But the opening ceremonies on Friday, obviously there's the Marylanders with a presence in the Olympics. But we are doing our starting five of a summer Olympic sports presented by Fed Thrill. Summer Olympic sports. Winter is out. Winter is out. We'll, we'll get to the winter at some point on the show. We are doing summer sports. The draft order is. Banks, you have the first pick. RDT has the second pick. I have the third pick. So, Banks, Olympic sports, starting five presented by Fed Thrill. You got 1-1. One, one. 
you knew I wanted 1-1. One, one. You knew what I was going to take 1-1. One, one. It is not something that I think a lot of people expect. It's not mainstream. It is team handball. I'm taking team handball. Love team handball. People think it's just kind of a novelty sport. People just throwing balls around, throwing balls in the nets. Oh, it's like hockey. It's like soccer, except you just throw it. No, it is a completely different sport than people think it is. It is like far more athletic than, than you might think. It's, it's kind of like basketball, except you're not shooting it through. You're throwing it. Um, there's some wonky rules when it comes to dribbling and, and passing and, and where you can go and all that types of stuff. But I assure you that there's not much more exciting to watch than team handball. You have been the biggest team handball guy I've ever met, ever. And it proves out with the 1-1 pick. You are not a fraud. You are uh, not a fraud. I wish that Team USA was, was a more formidable team so that it could get more people into it. Because I think that's color. one of the big things going. Sure. Uh, RDT, you've got the number two overall pick. Real quick, did you guys do handball in, like, middle school gym? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know if that was, like, a Howard County thing. Yeah, yeah we very fun. Very it fun. is very fun. It's a very underrated sport. You know what it is? It's the, the dyslexic. Curl- it's just, us dyslexics just tossing that ball around, baby. It was a good time. It's the curling of the, the summer games. You know how curling gets big, like, every – I think it's I think it's more popular than curling. But it's like the sport that everyone is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, but curling is like a novelty. It's like, oh, look at that quirky sport where they're just rubbing their brush. Sliding and sliding. Like, yeah, no, yeah. the handball is like legit awesome. Like, yeah. you, you, people get into curling. It has like, a little novelty factor, though. because It's a little bit, yeah. But, but the curling, it's like we're doing – like we're watching curling because it's quirky and because it's – we're being ironic a little bit like, Oh yeah. Like we love curling. Like it's just a thing that people do. Handball is legit. Wouldn't even joke about it. Awesome. And if it was on more often, I'd watch it regularly. There yeah. you go. I, I'm with you there. I would, I would like it if it was on. I would definitely RDT, you can't take watch. curling here, but what do you got? Uh, I'm going to go kind of chalk and, and I kind of figured Banks was going to go not chalk. I thought he was going to go something, you know, that, that some, something up his sleeve and he did. Um, I'm, I'm thinking basketball. I mean, there's nothing oh. like watching – not even – not. <laughs> go on. What a reaction. No, go time. ahead. Go no, ahead. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> explain it, explain it, explain it, explain it. it there was nothing better than, you know, except for this year, watching the, the, the old teams just absolutely dominating Algeria and Albania and any country that, you know, can barely even, like, support a team. And, and you have – who was it, Nigeria that beat them uh, two weeks ago and then – they had that flashback to the game when I think U.S. beat them by like 73 or 83. So, shout out to Dream Team and, and Vince Carter's dunk over Frederick Weiss and the the, the Redeem Team and, and all those uh, all those guys. So, go on now. No, I was just going to say, in the grand scope of the Olympics, there are so many few good basketball games. Like, if you think about what you watch, if you're only watching the U.S., there's the Spain – 2008 final Argentina teams 2012 but like the basketball tournament as a whole is not very good oh it's not good basketball so I just I'm just pretty stunned by that pick it no it's more it's more just like like every now and then when that like a clip gets retweeted and it's like prime time prime Dwayne Kobe LeBron Durant Carmelo and there's like 18 bounce passes going behind the head and it just looks like an and one mixtape tour like sure. against you know no, there's definitely exciting moments it just wasn't high on my board so okay. I'm, 
Um, Taking it too. I, I absolutely couldn't love more where I've fallen here um, yeah. with those first two picks. Um, and I'm taking the two Olympic sports that, at least for me, and I think they're among the, I would say, glamorous sports of the games in terms of how the NBC uh, broadcasts everything here. Um, and they are my – the two I think that I have just followed the most closely and gotten the most out of based in my Olympic experience. I'm going to take gymnastics at four, and I'm going to take swimming at five. Uh, three and four? Or, excuse me, three and four. Excuse me, three and four. I'm just not counting correctly. Gymnastics – yeah, gy- yeah, gymnastics at three, track. Or excuse me, not I'm giving away picks now. Gymna- let me do this again. Gymnastics at three, swimming at four. Gymnastics first. Um, gymnastics, I think, is the is the most glamorous sport in the Olympics. From a you only see this right now. You really don't pay attention to it any other time, and it just envelops people's hearts and minds. No one really understands for the most part what's going on, and everyone is so into it. There's great controversy. There's been great rivalries, great intrigue, great inter-team rivalries. Sean versus Nastia. I mean, you're either Team Sean or you were Team Nastia. Just had her and second baby. Sean, uh, Sean what's her name? One of, one of my, the great crushes of my life, Sean Johnson. I love Sean Johnson. Um, gymnastics is great. And then swimming, from a Baltimore perspective, is all the Michael Phelps stuff. And then just the, the, the finishes, the, the way it's broadcast with, the, you know, is just so great for TV. First of all, it's a race that happens very quickly. Second of all, pretty much every race is close, unless you're watching like Katie Ledecky or Phelps. Mm-hmm. It's just very, very entertaining. It also low-key has one of the best announced crews of any of these sports. Dan Hicks and Rowdy Gaines, who have been doing it forever, who just are an electric factor, just an electric factor. So gymnastics in swimming, very chalky if you're you know, an NBC primetime only watcher. But they just deliver every Olympics for the most part. Um, and so I'm, I'm taking those two. I feel like that's a pretty strong start to the team. Yeah, the, um, the relay, the one where Phelps wasn't the finisher, but I think he was, what, the second leg or whatever it was. Um, was that the medley, by the way? That was the 4 by 100 4 by 100 Who was the guy? Who was the, that who is was a the guy remember where you are it. sports moment. Uh, Jason Lezak. Yes. Lezak, yeah. That was a Lezak. Remember where you are. Can the American catch him down? Or um, chase him down? An amazing call. Yeah, and I I still, when you watch it in full speed, you still think he didn't win. It's incredible. And then the slow motion just blew my brain. Like, it's just like, are you freaking kidding me? Sean Wickman's basement down the street. Watching that blew my mind. Yeah, it's uh, it that's an amazing moment. That's an absolutely amazing moment. That may be the most like in our lifetime, the most. I don't, the like, Phelps run to eight gold medals was night after night, unbelievable primetime television. Like they, they were, were on like ten thirty at night, right? Like ten thirty because they were they were doing them in the morning in China in Beijing, so they could be broadcast live to American audiences. And it was an electric factory. I mean, was, especially around here because everyone was just so invested in Phelps. I mean, everywhere around the country they were, but here specifically, I mean, those that, that was like, you just talked about that all day and you waited. I just remember waiting for that all. I was in Ocean City that entire week. And I just remember waiting for those swims every single night. It, it's just incredible. it was incredible. Was that the one that they put it on at the Ravens game or the, pre, the preseason game, right? 
Or was it another? It was a Phelps race. I can't remember if it was that. I one. believe it was. I believe it was one during that time. Yeah, they, put it they on should there. have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, none, none of the, unless it was a Rio race, which maybe it was, because that would have been like that was also broadcast. That stuff was broadcast live on prime time too. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure they did one of those races at a Ravens preseason game. Yeah, yeah, because there was a video of them showing it and the crowd going nuts. Which obviously, I mean, again, like like you were saying, Banks, like you, I still watch that back every now and then. And even knowing what happens, you're like, he's not, there's no way. And again, like when you see the, the USA come up one, you're like, I don't know. Like, I don't think, I don't think he was able to get him. And then you see that under view, the underwater and you're like, holy shit. And like yeah. the Phelps slow motion, like that picture yeah. is like an all time image. Yeah. It's swimming. Yeah. Swimming. It's just, you could, it, it has the, you just fall throughout the week too. It's just mm-hmm. like, the first, and now we're going to we, – everyone knows the picks. We're not giving away picks here. Like, you have first – the way they do it, first week swimming, and then you just roll into track, and you just – night after night, that's what you get. It's just so good. It's so good. In the now live streaming area with time zones, it's a little different because before you couldn't see anything before you got to the prime time coverage. Now you can see everything during the day. But, you know, I'm a hopeless romantic for the old days of, <laughs> of where you couldn't spoil yourself and everything. Now I just stream everything. I'll be up at 6.55 on Friday morning, watch the opening ceremonies. Um, RET, get the next pick. Uh, I was hoping swimming. I didn't think it would, but I was really hoping swimming would fall to me. But now, now knowing your thoughts on basketball, I definitely could have got it here. Um, I'm going to go I'm gonna go a little off the, the beaten path. I'm going oh, – do I want to do that? Yeah, I, I'm, going, I'm going table tennis. I think oh, watching, yeah. I think watching table tennis is awesome. Like it is, I mean, I think it's so exciting to watch and like, just because I'm so bad at it. And I'm like, how do they serve it like that? How do they, I think everything about it is, is electric and so much fun to watch. And everyone has the Forrest Gump jokes and they're like, Oh yeah, I remember that, you know, Forrest Gump, blah, blah, blah. Um, no, I, I think it's, I think it's one of the best. And, and I, I, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big watching table, table tennis, ping pong, whatever they want to call it. That is definitely a novelty one as well. It was, it was in contention to be one of my two picks here on the wraparound. I love yeah, table, table tennis. I was able at, to get a, at a high level, that sport makes no sense. Yeah. It is, you watch it, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The, I mean, the way insane. the ball moves, like, I, I don't I, – I can't even, like, wrap my mind I up. just love the way that they, like, settle into their serve position. Like, they – And then they just, just do the, go. Like, they raise it, and then they yeah. just, like – it's almost like they scoop it out and the ball just goes flying. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Um, table 10 is a good pick. Okay. All right. Two picks my way. I am going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a race walking. The race walk is one of the most bizarre things that ever comes out. And people, sometimes people like they see it and they're like, Oh, this is, this is the onion. Like, this is just a parody. Like this is an actual event. And it's like, no, it's actually, a real sport that they do and they do two different distances. I think they do 20 kilometer and they do um, a 50 kilometer. And it's been, it's been part of the Olympics since 1932. Like this isn't something that they just threw in at some point. Like it's been around for a long time. And so it's literally what it sounds like. Like thou shalt not run. It's who can, who can walk the fastest. Uh, but another bizarre sport. It's, it's maybe the you most watch bizarre. It and you're, you watch it and you truly don't understand it, how it, it looks like a bunch of people who shit their pants 
trying okay. not to have it spill out of their pants. And the rules are just wild. You, you can't like lift your feet essentially off the ground. It, it, the whole thing is just, it, it's a wild, you don't, you don't watch it and think Olympics, but it's just, it's just weird. It's just a weird sport. It is one of the definitions of like this. You, you're surprised it happens at any other time other than like the two weeks of the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, think there's got to be like a, a circuit or something I'm and sure. qualification no, sure and and how how they determine who gets to go and stuff. Like there are people whose lives center around race walking. Like yeah, people train for four years to be a race walker at the Olympics. It's and they're Olympians. They're Olympians. I mean, that's an awesome Malcolm in the Middle episode. I don't know if you guys remember that one. No, Brian Cranston joins like a race walking like league and it's just, it's, it's just him and like this whole suit and like the helmet and everything race walking. That is an incredible Malcolm in the middle reference that I don't know. Oh my God. I'll I, never... give you, I give you credit for making it. Did you guys ever watch that? That's a great show. I was never into it. I oh, did, but God. like I watched it 20 years ago when it was on. You, mm-hmm. I'll find the clip on YouTube and, and I'll have to send it over, but okay. amazing episode. Amazing episode. Here's where we're going to get in some gray areas and such. Um, I'm just going to take track. I think it has to, it has to go off the board at some point here. It deserves to get taken and I'm taking it now. So when I take track, I think I'm, I'm taking not, I don't, I'm not taking field, I guess. No, I'll you take, are. Track and field I'll is take one track thing. and field then. Track and field. Is, in, it's that's track. So I'm taking officially it's under athletics. Yes, correct. As the official term is athletics. So I'm taking athletics. So I'm Mm -hmm. taking – I had it separately on my list, but I want it. Um, So I'm getting it with this. I'm taking pole vaulting. Uh, I think pole vaulting is low-key something that we just take as something that exists and think it's normal, but it's actually like one of the most ridiculous sports that's ever been made. I mean, you're just putting a pole into the ground and flying 30 feet. Is the that what it usually is? The field events are wild. No, what, you're yeah. I mean, you're with pole vault. You're you're hopping on the pole and jumping over uh, and jumping over a uh, right. But the standard is generally about thirty feet, right? Oh, I don't know. What the, we'd have to bring on. We'd have to bring on our, our some of our resident track field experts to answer those type of questions. But all right, um, that's a, I mean, it's ridiculous. You're just sticking a stick in the ground and flying in the air, just yeah. bending it. So a lot of ways they shatter. Triple jump, high jump. Long jump, a lot of jumping. I can't – when I think of pole vaulting, I can't not think of SpongeBob and Patrick mm. doing doing the uh, – what do they – get a little coconut going, get a little yeah. chocolate sauce. And fry cook games. <laughs> the fry cook games. Oh, it's so good. An all-time episode. Yeah, track but, and field probably probably lasted too long. And I was like the the 100 meter is, is kind of like the gold standard of Olympic events. It's like fastest man alive. It's such a it's such a title. Yeah, it's Simple like concept. when you're the world heavyweight champion, you're the baddest man on the planet. Like, there's not many titles like that. World's fastest man. It's, like it's just the sim- most simplistic sport there is. Who's going point A to point B the fastest? Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a beauty to that. Uh, RDT, you have got pick number eight. Give me some. We're going to go beach volleyball. Mm, okay. Good. Love watching beach volleyball. Our, our high school was, had an awesome volleyball team too. So we all got super into it and we're like pumping up the girls. We're gassing them up. Um, but I, watching volleyball is awesome. And I mean, it's, 
it's another one of the sports where everyone is like, oh, I, I could go out and do that. And then, like, you get them on the sand courts in Baltimore, like, at some park, and you're like, yeah, see, you can't fucking do that. Um, it's tough, but I, I, I like watching it. I think it's exciting. And um, USA's favorite, who is it, Miss, Misty May trainer? Misty May trainer and Carrie Walsh. partner? Misty May and Carrie Walsh. Yeah, great names, too. All-time, all-time name. Yeah. Um, they, yeah Misty May like, is one of the best sports names of all time. Yeah. She has to say it. It is. Um, and she, yeah, so I mean, they, they were like, they were the big ones a couple of years ago. Obviously, I don't, I'm not up, I haven't brushed up on my uh, beach volleyball <laughs> uh, athletes right now, but uh, it, it's always a good, it's always fun to watch that. Yeah, I mean, I think we, that sport kind of became one of the, the premier ones in terms of a television perspective because of those two. They were just mm-hmm. sort of, you know, so dominant and, and fun to watch. and um that is just such a relatable sport as you said too it's like it's just something you could do with your friends and watching it at a high level is just very very fun it's amazing, also it's amazing watching them like 2016 they played on copacabana beach and it was just there's just a stadium on copacabana beach in rio mm-hmm. and you're just playing beach volleyball very cool it's a good pick it's a good pick those i think were the two picks that should have run off the board right there track and beach volleyball um, with the first of my double picks here, uh, this one being the ninth pick, I'm taking archery. Archery is sweet when you, mm-hmm. when you start watching it. And they're going like arrow for arrow at the end, trying to score points. It's sweet. It's very, very cool. It is another one in more of the vein of the you don't see this or really care about this every four years situation. And I've just always been super impressed watching that sport. Um, another thing that you're like, oh yeah, like I can get a bow and arrow. And then you watch these people shoot these like unbelievable contraptions, you know, feet, you know, so many feet away and they're just bang in the center. Like, it's just crazy. So great, great sounds too. When you watch it, mm-hmm. like yeah. the, the acoustics of it are awesome. Very good. Very good audio visual sport. I've, uh, your boys won an archery contest before. Uh-huh. Not, not until Jimbo wanna, provides pictures. I won't believe yeah, it. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, okay. I'm just, I, wonder, <laughs> I, I wonder if he has anything on that front. Uh, it was clout archery. Clout archery? What is that? Which is even better, I think. I think it's sweeter. Instead of shooting at a target, like right in front of you, you were shooting into the sky and having it go up in the air and land. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, that also said. Yeah, are you just making sure you get out of the way? Is that right? That's Russian roulette, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're getting out of the way. You're not shooting uh. straight up. Oh, that's what you made it seem like. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were just. No, like, you are shooting out. it. He's doing sky. hand motions right now, which really translates into the, the, the sky at maybe a sixty degree angle, as mm. opposed to ninety is how you get it to shoot at yourself. But cloud archery, it shows up. It's a form of archery where shooters, where archers shoot. Arrows at a flag, known as a clout, from a relatively long distance. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. Never heard of that. Like George. Yeah. Um, With my uh, second pick here in the double pick, uh, I'm going to take water polo. Water polo at this level is incredibly exciting to watch. How did I Like when your high school is playing water polo, you're kind of like, eh. Who cares? When when the <laughs> your team, high school would have a water polo team, they did, and we were really yeah, good. Of course, shout you guys. Shout out to those guys. Shout out to Cavalier Water Polo. I just I just want you to know that's not normal. No, I I, I I totally understand that. I totally understand that. I totally understand. That. How did they do? What Cavalier Water Polo? Yeah. When we were there, they were really good. I think we won like multiple MIA championships. I'd have to go back and check that. Check them. <laughs> check the. Uh, I want to know what, how they're doing now. 
I mean, we, can, we can take a look. I'll do some research here while you guys do your picks. But water polo at, like, the Olympic level is I, – I think is really cool. And it's physical. Like, it's, it's like, tough. And you have guys bleeding and, like – or guys and girls bleeding. Um, like, in, and you just – you don't think about – because you think about water polo, like, the traditional, like, look at water polo is sort of like a very, like, weak type of sport. But it's pretty crazy. Uh, Serbia randomly, like a great volleyball, or excuse me, a great, um, a great water polo country, Serbia, Croatia, some of those Eastern European countries. So it's another top, like watching with a group of guys being like, I could do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. no, you can, you cannot yeah. tread water for that long. Yeah. And take a ball and fight off another. You gotta be fit. Throw it. So, so like them skipping it off the water. is like, it's, it's, it's wild watching it. That like, was, that's, that's a good pick. That was one of those things where, I, like, I didn't know until I was, like, 12 years old that they were treading water the entire time. So, so I just thought they were in the shallow end and just, like, bodying each other. And then, like, <laughs> when I learned that, I was like, oh, yeah, this sport is actually just completely different. Like, and this ain't FM. And is that that element, the fact that you tread water, is exactly why nobody can do it. No. Yeah, it, it's so – we <laughs> – We'll reveal this too at Calvert Hall, our sophomore year. We got to play water polo in gym because you know that's what we do. It was so pool. freaking hard. It was so hard. So, uh, RDT. Uh, I believe this is different from the swimming pick. I'm going diving. Yes, it is. Okay. Yep. Um, I'm terrified of heights, so just watching them like from the, the high jump is like watching them up on that platform and like having like two inches of their toes on there and balance themselves and then do 1800 flips and, and everything off it is pretty wild. And then they get out and well, number one, the camera that follows them down, the production of the diving may, I think that makes the entire sport because like the camera that just free falls with them and follows them into the water is awesome. Yeah. How, how calm the pool is and like, uh, everything about the pool is awesome, and then they get out and they jump right in the shower immediately. Jump right in the shower. Yeah, jump right jump in the shower. shower. Yeah. It's, it, it's like one of the weirdest. It's the sequence is the same every time. Mm-hmm. They dive in, they dive in, they get out, and they're like, you know, they like throw they wipe their face with the towel. They just jump right out right in that shower. Yeah, it's so weird. I, I have many questions about the shower technique, but again, like, I can't dive. I'm not. I'm not good at it at all. But like it's one of those things where I'm watching and I'm just like, that's, that's, it's, it's like gymnastics. We're like, Oh, that was awesome. Like, I don't know what I watched, but that was sick. And then you're like, and now they're in the shower. So again, plus the production of the TV camera, following them in, how calm the pool is and, and all that. And, and how it's a cool sport to watch. And it's one of those ones when you're watching you, that's like an all time, you become an expert on it in five seconds. Well, like it's someone, a gainer. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a gainer. So, yeah, someone dies. Oh, too big of a splash. Just too big of a splash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it did get, didn't go in feet first. Oh, uh, yeah, it did go. Pointed. Oh, mm-hmm. just not vertical enough. Just not vertical enough. That, I wouldn't just, have given that a nine. I wouldn't have yeah. not have given that a nine eight. It's a, such a good one where you, you watch it. You watch, you're like, oh, man, now I'm an expert on five meters. <laughs> this dude in the softball just got nailed. <laughs> Sorry. Foul ball. One of the photographers. <laughs> just like Tommy Lasorda in the All-Star game. Sorry. You'll see him. Oh, my. <laughs> Mexico, Japan here, as we talk Olympics, happening right now live in, in, uh, in Tokyo. Oh, shit. How about, how about um, Japan wearing the, like, cutoff non, like, baseball pants? Yeah, the Chicago White Sox shorts. shorts. Yeah, they're in the shorts. Very interesting. 
nuts. Well, team, you get to pick your, your your uniforms, I guess. Yeah, I like Mexico. I like Mexico with the green, the green pants. Green pants are kind of sweet mm-hmm. with the white tops. I need to see this this thing. I'm so far behind on food. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Uh, but diving's a good pick. Banks, you got two. Diving's a solid pick. Um, what you know? What it's an inevitable storyline, and it always happens in either diving or in swimming. There's always some like loophole or like some sort of qualification where some some swimmer or diver from some random country is like a little bit overweight, and he, he's just the worst in the field by a mile, and then it becomes like this cult hero to everybody on the internet it's like oh yeah you go buddy and then like the other side of the internet just starts coming in like oh what are you kind of fat shaming this guy it just becomes i feel like it's happened multiple times in during olympics <laughs> and so this is like an internet cycle that i'm anticipating seeing in the next week or two um but anyways two picks uh um, final two for you final two i'm gonna take badminton damn it yeah, you gotta sure. take badminton, uh, the shuttlecock. Yeah, it's a sure. it's it's a yard game. I mean, it's a backyard game, and uh, this is I've I've heard you guys use this description multiple times about this sport that anybody thinks that they could just jump in and do, and like badminton is very much, I think, the top of that list. Like it's just some some backyard game, and you just whack the shit out of it. The ball moves like. 200 miles an hour, the shuttlecock. The shuttlecock, as you can say, not yeah, a ball. it moves so not fast, and it doesn't look nearly that fast on TV. Like, mm. it's amazing yeah. operating that at that kind of speed. And I was mentioning this to Taylor when we were opening the Zoom tonight. The, there is a rant from the 2004 Olympics by Mary Carrillo that is one of the best rants that I think anyone's ever made on the internet. She goes on a close to four-minute rant about badminton. And she goes on this whole diatribe about how you play it in your yard and it finds its way and it's the shuttlecock finds its way in the tree the whole time. You just got to look it up. You got to Google it. If it happened anytime in the last eight years or like the Twitter era, it would have been the talk of the Olympics. And somehow it was just like Mary Carrillo is just filling airtime on some late night broadcast. Yeah. It's like, just, she used to host the, uh, she used to host the, the, like the after the, the prime late. time that would go from like 1am to three. Right. And she, she just, I think just had to fill four minutes and they just let her go. <laughs> she just went for it. It was so, <laughs> it's so funny. It's such a funny clip. You got to find it and watch it. Um, I, and I, t- I'm telling you, it will make your day. Um, and then for my last pick, I'm going to take rugby sevens relatively new sport for the Olympics, but um, I have a, I have love for rugby as a whole. Yes. Um, but the sevens, if you're not familiar, seven on seven, it's two seven minute halves as opposed to 15. That's where rugby unions played. And that's uh, two 40 minute halves in that version. So ending all of their energy much more quickly. It's wide open field. It's as if football was played five on five. It's kind of like if you're just doing a arena football league, but the field's the same size or I don't know. Um, but it's, it's just so fast paced and there's just open field all the time and it's continuous and it's just an awesome sport. It is very good. It is very, very good. RDT, you got your final pick. This is a pick I decided on less than three seconds ago. 
because I'm getting down to the nitty gritty. Um, obviously, we all are fencing. Mm, yeah. Fencing again, another sport where no one knows what's going on. Well, again, it's it's a very simple concept, and you could watch it for two seconds, and you're the expert on it. Like, oh yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta jab them there. You gotta do this, and it's again, it's just such a like. It's a game that everyone plays when they're like four years old. You have a stick and you just hit, whack the shit out of your friends with it. On God. What you try and do. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just funny to watch again. And like the whole get up and the, the little, uh, the buzzer, not the, yeah, the they, buzzer, not they the sword or anything. Whether they got a touch. I mean, and like the whole, don't they like, <laughs> they do like a little pose and like, I don't know. It's everything about fencing just makes it's it so funny. Up. So there's, there's, I don't, I'm sure many people don't realize there are college programs that have division one fencing teams. Like Ohio state has a division one fencing team. I, we I need a that. fencing team in Maryland. Like give us a fencing team. I, I'll, I'll do social media for that. Is there like Is a there, club fencing team in Maryland? Pro, I mean, probably. Yeah. I mean, in college you have club things for everything, but um, yeah, there's division one fencing out there. Division one fencing. I like it. Good, good. Um, I will. I've got the final pick here. Um, I could go a little chalky and take one that is kind of familiar to people, but I don't know if anyone, if you guys have watched this when it's on the Olympics. There's not a lot of disciplines in it, so it's just not on that much. But trampoline is sweet. Trampoline is so cool. It's like a. It's an aspect. You have artistic gymnastics. You have rhythmic gymnastics. You have trampoline that are three separate sports. Trampoline is like its own thing. There's like a men's competition, a women's competition. It is sick. It's very, very cool. Um, and it's just like jumping on a trampoline. These people are doing crazy amounts of flips. It's very fun to watch. I always make a point to watch it when it's on. So I'm taking tramp. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it. Or I, I'm sure I really? have. But I, I may have. I'm sure I have at some point. I can't remember any like athletes from it, but. I'm always just afraid I'm going to watch someone like snap their leg, like in slam ball or something like that. And they're like, we're going to get a job or Chamberlain, like femur coming through his leg. Yeah. It's fun to watch. Is it still sport? Should be. It's, it's listed on the website. Is it under athletics? Yeah. It's just under, it's trampoline. Trampoline. It's in between sport. track and. Uh, Copy pasted the list into an Excel and I don't see it, but. It's in between. Um. I have it on Olympics.com in between track cycling and triathlon. Okay. I like the pick. I mean, it's a great pick. Made its debut in uh, Sydney in 2000. It, it missed me on the radar just because I didn't – it just wasn't on that. It isn't – it just also – it isn't on. Like, it's on, but it's not like artistic gymnastics where there's men's and women's and there's team all around, there's individual all around. There's – like, there's just – I think there are literally – six medals like two golds given out in tramp like it's just not it's just yeah it's men's individual and women's individual women's was won by rosie mclennan from canada and some guy from belarus won the men's in the last six medals by the way and one of the great names in olympic history came from trampoline i don't know if you guys remember chinese sensation dong dong (laughs) i know dong dong who won the silver who won the silver medal um, in 2016, the gold medal in 2012, and the bronze in 2008 in trampoline. Mr. Dong Dong, the 32-year-old. We'll see if he's back. We'll see if he's back in 2020. Um, I was just going to say I'm going to Google Dong Or 2021. Dong, but... Yeah, Mr. I, I, to his friends, we call him Mr. Or to the people that aren't his friends, we call him Mr. Dong. So if you could please. <laughs> you please senior, senior Dong. Senior Dong. Coach, Coach Dong. Coach Dong. <laughs> Coach, Coach Dong. Dong to you, boy. So, 
So one Dong, Mr. Dong, 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 go back through the draft. Um, Banks had team handball, race walking, track and field, badminton and rugby sevens. RDTU took basketball, table tennis, beach volleyball, diving and fencing. I took gymnastics, swimming, archery, water polo, and trampoline. Starting five, presented by Fed Thrill. Good draft, guys. Good draft. Yeah. Good draft. I mean, we can pretty much go through the rest of the sports. Boxing, rowing, wrestling, volleyball all did not get taken. They I were thought the indoor volleyball is, would have been a worthy pick. That almost was, was very awesome. exciting as well. It is very exciting. I just see enough of it in college. I don't need to see it. Yeah. But it's played at such a high level when you get these, like, oh, Eastern European guys, and they're all 6'6", six, six, and they're just jump like, oh, it's nasty. Well, you guys, in, so in Montgomery County, didn't you guys have co-ed volleyball? It's like a sport. Yeah, I think that was Lauren. Thing. Lauren played it when she when she was there, and she said like all the basketball players at Paint Branch in the off season would do that. That was their training. Like that was their off season program. It's like that's I remember that being a bunch a of basketball players. Yeah. So the ones that nobody took beyond that were uh, canoe, kayak, flat water, which is actually the two canoe kayak things are kind of fun. Slalom as well. Uh, BMX racing. Um, the new sports I just didn't feel like were worthy, um, which no. are surfing, surfing and skateboarding and sport climbing. They brought back baseball and softball, which baseball just cannot make it in because clearly the pinnacle of baseball is the World Baseball Classic. So obviously you can't, you know, <laughs> it just doesn't really build up here to the Olympics. Um, nobody took any of the track cycling, which is a fun Olympic sport, like in the velodrome. Um, no one took the road cycling, which comes right off the tour de France. So it's like, why are we here doing this? Um, weightlifting is a thing that occurs. Just never really been that interesting for me. I just love the, uh, the faces and like mm -hmm. the demeanors of people. Yeah. I almost took it. They lose their minds say, when they lift it. It reminds me of world's strongest man. Like, yeah. Yeah. On ESPN Re too. Wrestling is a sport I consider taking, but I see so much of it in college that for me at the Olympics, it's great. And it's an, at an amazing level. But it's just not like these where they're not in my life and they kind of, you know, appear on the Olympic stage. Rowing actually can be very entertaining. The rowing races, I almost took that. I almost took that. Uh, mm -hmm. Field hockey, golf, judo, karate, modern pentathlon, which I know had to have been high on Banks' Banks's board. Um, marathon swimming, mountain biking, rhythmic gymnastics, soccer, and everybody's favorite to finish it off here of the ones we did not pick equestrian i must took field hockey i'll say that field hockey's fun to watch yeah at that level it's very good yeah that level it's very not good. like jv high school field hockey like no, when your sister no, plays and you have to go no. to the game no 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 no, no. but our, no sports are really great at the jv level except <laughs> for maybe jv modern pentathlon because <laughs> i think modern pentathlon is fun at any level of course uh, that was a fun draft, guys. Obviously, the natural – we've been talking about we were going to do this one for weeks. So, this was an easy easy one to put in. Thanks once again to Fed Thrill um, for sponsoring the draft ex, – oh, excuse me, promo code EXIT52 to get 20% off of all of your Fed Thrill sunglasses needs. That sends us into the Nick Kaner Medley, Maryland Person of the Week. I will start this week, and it's an easy pick. The Nick Kaner Medley, Maryland Person of the Week is the – Fucking Olympics. I love the Olympics. We just talked about it for a half an hour, but it wins this award for me anyway. I love the I love the Bulger's Dream. The theme music is back. 
I love the random sports are back. My favorite commentators are back. All the NBC wall-to-wall coverage. Will I cry for a third consecutive Summer Olympics at the NBC opening intro on Friday? I might do a live stream on the X52 uh, Twitter page and, and, and see, if, see if it makes me cry. I just, it's, it's on at 6.30 in the morning? Well, it's 6.55 is the, live, is the live stream of it on NBC. I don't then know. Then they'll reshow that. it. If it's on at 6.30 in the morning, I'm going to have so little of my facilities waking up that early that I will 100% cry. We'll see what happens if, if it only, they only play it on the late airing. I will watch both airings. I will be watching <laughs> the early airing. I will not be doing anything on Fridays. Apologies to my employer at the University of Maryland. I will be watching it on Friday night. I will be watching throughout the two weeks. I, I just, I just cannot get enough. I just lo- I love this event. I love this event. And, 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 and thank, please don't cancel it. If, let me tell you what, if this thing gets canceled in the next 48 hours, I don't think it will. I, I mean, just wellness check me like every hour. Yikes. Um, do you think the athletes will wave? Good question. The opening ceremonies. And yeah. Let me tell you what, the parade of nations is going to be really bizarre. Oh yeah. I think the whole, I mean, the whole thing is going to be really bizarre with no crowd. Um, so that may take something away from it. Uh, yeah. Cause I'm sure there will be like officials and stuff up there. So I'm sure there'll be some waving that happens. Okay. Uh, us flag bearers. Do you guys know him? Did you guys see him? Oh, it was, um, the baseball player, the baseball player. And, um, Eddie Alvarez baseball player played for the Marlins was a winter Olympian in yep. speed, speed skating. skating. That's right. Yeah. 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 And is now an Olympian in baseball. And then Super. the Yukon legend, Yukon Husky legend, Sue Bird. So two very worthy flag bearers. But I, I, I know we just talked about the Olympics forever, but this was always going to win this week for me. I love the Olympics. RDT. Uh, I was we, – we talked about it earlier. I was going to go Melanie for, again, killing it on the broadcast. Um, but we talked about her already. I'll, I'll go a different direction. Uh, Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis during the whole mm. incident that happened at, at Nats Park and, and, and the whole story there, which is still just a pretty crazy story. Um, was that Friday night or Saturday night? The shooting outside of the stadium. No one really knew what was going on. They thought there were shots inside the stadium. They thought – you know, there was an active shooter. It turned out to be like a drive-by that just happened to, I think, be near the stadium. But like the whole story about like Manny and Tatis ran over to the gate, opened the gate, and allowed these fans in and and into the dugout. And you know, I thought that was pretty again not not like a neat story, but it just showed you like everyone's called Manny an asshole forever, and they're like, oh, maybe he's not just a jerk. And and I don't know that that whole thing of them just not even thinking and going over and opening the gate and like the the quotes from Davey Martinez talking about, you know, when the people were down in his office and the security asked if, if he knew who they were. And he said they were family and, and because they were the fans of the team and all that. Um, I thought everyone handled it pretty well and all things considered, like no one got hurt. And again, it seemed like it was just neat that they were doing the right thing, like without even thinking, just running over and trying to save as many people as they can, because you know, who, they didn't know what was going on. So I thought that was, again, good on them for acting in, you know, the right way. Yeah, that was a very scary situation. Very scary situation. Terrifying. Thanks. Oh, b- by the way, like, if that happens outside Camden Yards, what do you think that narrative looks like? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's just going to be nonstop Baltimore just 
getting pummeled on the internet. Yeah, and we, I mean, we've been, we've all been in Nats Park. Like, it's not great outside of there, especially I think right on that third base side. It's not the one side is especially. Isn't that that's right on the Navy Yard, right? Correct. Or, yeah. I can't. I don't. I don't. Pretty much everything in foul territory. Yeah, because I know, like, obviously the bullpen straight ahead, you know, yeah. and that's that's a great time. It's wonderful. But yeah, it's like outside. I mean, it's kind of like Camden Yards where you have pickles and sliders right there and. You know, some of the other sides aren't the best, but no, I, I'm I'm with you. That's a that's a whole different narrative if if that's in uh, Baltimore. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of piggyback on Taylor here. He's right to take the Olympics. It's a great pick. I was just gonna take conjunctivitis because every time I think of the Olympics, I think of Bob Costas and those googly ass eyes. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things that I've ever blogged about for six, seven years. All, like my favorite storyline that was a continuous storyline was the slowly developing pink eye that we tuned in for every single night. And it was a little worse, a little worse, a little worse. And then it was both eyes. And then I feel like he threw out some, some excuse out there. And then at a certain point it was just like, yeah, I got pink eye. Like it's real bad. And then they I took mean, him off the air. <laughs> I may miss Bob Costas more than mm, I miss FCC Vern a lot, but I miss, primetime Olympic pontificating editorializing Bob Costas more than most. What just an unbelievably entertaining guy to have on TV every night of the Olympics. And Tariko is great. Tariko is. Are you, I, I can't tell if you're being like. You never knew what Bob Costas was. A little sarcastic ish. You knew he was going to be high horse. Oh, he's going to jump right on the high horse. I no, Bob Costas is one of the great sports hosts of all time, but also like, was as unpredictable as they come. And in the Twitter era, he would have been way more entertaining. Now, he was involved in the Twitter era, obviously. He was, you know, maybe about a decade in the Twitter era. Led me less than that, like eight years of it. But Costas is just, I mean, for that role, I mean, that is arguably the biggest share of any studio. That's ultimately like the peak of the studio host, is hosting the Olympic primetime. So now it's Mike Tirico, and he's great. He's great. I miss I miss Bob. I do. I miss him. Mm. Good pick. That's a good pick. I mean that, that that that's the thing. Everything that comes on with the Olympics, the, and the other thing that comes with the Olympics is everyone getting involved in sports for two weeks. People, it's like I really don't really like this, but I love it in the Olympics. I just, but I love the Olympics. I love the Olympics. Yeah, it's great. Brings everybody together. It brings everybody together. Do you think – I mean, if that's not the Olympics, he's not, he's not going on with that – with those eyes. No. He, he, he like, is, I've gotten he's it, got I've such it a out. giant ego. He is trying at all costs to not give up that chair. Like, that is his mm-hmm. – at that point, that is his chair. He cannot yeah. let someone else sit in that chair. The Olympic primetime host. There's like he, a status he, to that. He's like clockwork orange, getting his eyes like held open, just eye drops in like seconds. Yeah, I mean, he looked horrible. I can't believe they. He put him was like wearing that. the glasses at a certain point, and that tried to like lessen it, but it was like, oh, dude, you got, you got it bad. <laughs> Thank God we didn't have the AK Suns fan camera for that. Like, oh my that gosh! Been, oh my gosh! That would have been terrible. Um. Honorable mention for me, um, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a story, him winning the title. And really the thing that, that spoke to me the most about it was a guy that you know, didn't have to go and team up with the other best players of his era to finally get himself a title as a great player like some people um, have over the past you know, decade and you a half. You win how you win. 
Um, it was really, really great that he was able to, you know, bring it back to the, you know, city that drafted him without, you know, breaking their heart multiple times and then, you know, breaking their heart again, um, going back there, and, you know, faking the emotion. So that was really nice. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. I'm just, mm-hmm. no, definitely not. Just shout out to shout out to shout out. No reason. Oh, I know. I was I. Did I say oh, LeBron's I didn't, name? I didn't say LeBron's name. I don't. You you like saying LeBron's name. I I not saying his name. He does like saying LeBron's name. Yeah, you love LeBron. I was I. You know, you can insinuate whatever you want, but it was just great to see it. One of the good guys. One of the good guys like guys. One of the guys like guys. Take him. And Chris Middleton. Did, did Turge coach him? No, Turge did coach him. That's cool. Him. Known to some in uh, our circles as middle fraud. <laughs> also brings him <laughs> So shout out to him. Andrew Holiday, whose uh, wife, Lauren Holiday, um, is a former Olympic gold medalist. So it all, it all for the U.S. Women's National Team. So all, it all comes together. You guys have any honorable mentions? That was my own. Giannis, in all seriousness, all joking aside, what an incredible performance. I mean, we thought his, his season was over against the Hawks. When he came down on his knee, everyone thought he blew his knee, and then he, was, he put up 50 in game six. So, shout uh, out. I was going to say Giannis if you didn't. And, yeah, like I said, like three weeks ago, we were like, well, he's out for all the rest of this year, all the, you know, probably half of next year, and, and there goes Milwaukee's chance. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was awesome watching. Like, last night's game was – I mean – his performance three weeks ago, the guy couldn't make a free throw. He couldn't hit a rim on a free throw. And last night he's 17 for 19 from the, do you think he missed that last free throw on purpose too? To give him 50 flat, like 50 even. No, I think he was trying to make it. You think so? Yeah. I think he was I trying to make a statement. It, I mean, that was, it was so much fun to watch. Um, it was a great, you know, and again, on, on the anti Chris Paul train, I'm happy he's not getting a ring because I'm not a Chris Paul guy. Oh, that's right. You don't like Chris Paul. No. And I saw this rumor today that the Lakers might trade for him. You might be in a weird spot next year. Nah. Well, if he wants, if he gets a ring next year, then, then that's another thing. Um, but no, I mean, the best part is just like him, like Giannis celebrate, like all this, all the stories and videos of Giannis from when he was young and like, like the first interview we did in English where that guy's the camera, like right in his face. And he said, like, that he's only been playing basketball for, like, five and a half years. And, and all he wants to do is become an NBA player. And, you know, marrying into a Greek family, I am adding this to one of my championship teams. So, uh, I will be celebrating this championship accordingly with Euros and Uzo this weekend, probably. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome to see him going up to the Chick-fil-A with the trophy and ordering 50 nuggets, not 49, not 51, like he told the girl. And now I also want to try the half lemonade, half uh, Sierra Mist or Sprite or whatever, like you said he ordered, which that sounds kind of good. I've never had it, though. Just a little more lemon. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I, I think he's onto something there. I'm sure it's not a new thing, but I've never even thought about it. Hmm. Thanks. Uh, I don't really know if I have any honorable mentions, to be honest. Um, the fourth Buckner. Tr- tr- <laughs> Stop. <laughs> can, we, can, we give a, can we give a joint one? Us um, too. Al Morikawa. Sure. I mean, yeah, go for it, man. Incredibly impressive performance. Very much so. He's a prodigy. He is a prodigy. And him and Spieth going, you know, dueling a little bit could be very fun. We have to get golf talking here every week, I feel like. Yeah, I was doing a little Morikawa bit of digging on statistics. So, like, if you're not a golf person and you just – you're trying to find, like, things to pick out, like, watching Morikawa hit irons to five feet every single time is – incredibly exhilarating to watch so i was looking at some statistics and the the strokes gain statistics go back to 2004 so that's like prime tiger you get you don't 
Tiger had like kind of two peaks, like 2000 and 2006. Um, in the, what, 17 years or since, so since uh, 2004 to 2021, there have only been four seasons in which a person has 1.5 or higher strokes gained approach the green. So basically their iron play above 1.5 strokes per round. Like that's a significant amount of that's six strokes per tournament. You're that much better in this one area of your game than everybody else. Three of the seasons are by Tiger Woods and the other one is by Colin Morikawa this year. Yeah. He's gross. It is, it, and his gap is larger over the next person who's under one than any gap that there's been since Tiger Woods in whatever year. And there's no other statistic with that kind of gap. He is better at stri- like striking irons and hitting accurate golf shots into greens than anybody is better than anybody else at a given thing, mm. if that makes sense. Very much does. He is, he's very, very good. So uh, that was a that was a fun tournament to watch. Always great to have the Lynx golf. We will finish um, on this very quickly, um, and we've been we've been waiting to sort of talk about this for a few weeks, but I think right now is the right time too. Our friends at Thread Level Midnight, we've got some X fifty two merch on the site. I know the people have been waiting for it, so go to threadlevelmidnight.com. You can go to the Thread Level shops. X fifty two is the first one listed on the top. So shout out to them. Um, you can pop on there. There are t-shirts, koozies. The logo on the t-shirt is sweet. It's like mm-hmm. the Orioles script with the exit and then the, the Ravens uh, logo 52, the Ray Lewis 52 on there. Very cool shirts. Um, Eric, I'll let you, you know, shout out the guys at Threat Level Midnight. Threat Level Midnight, excuse me. Um, but really cool stuff. So make sure to go support. We'll, we'll put it out on social and do all those things. Um, if you don't want to go right to the site, but uh, they have also have other awesome stuff, the most strong stuff, uh, a lot of really cool gear. So uh, really appreciate their partnership and um, go support us, buy a couple of tees, buy some koozies. Great times to have koozies. So. Yeah. I mean, they, they're Dean and them over at thread level midnight are awesome. Like you said, they're the ones who did the most strong shirts they've done. And like you said, all their other designs, they've done a bunch of awesome Orioles and Ravens ones, uh, just Baltimore ones in general. They're also hosting the, the Moe's, I guess they're calling it Moe's Rose again, the Orioles Hall of Fame induction ceremony on Saturday, August 7th, uh, when Moe is going into the Orioles Hall of Fame with, who is it, J.J. Hardy, and I forget the other two people. But there's a ticket package you can buy on the site if you want to go. I'll be there. Um, I think we're going to be in the right center field bleachers. Um, you get – if you buy a ticket, you get a game ticket, an exclusive Mo T-shirt, a sign that they're handing out, drink specials at Pickles Pub before, and it's also donating to Johns Hopkins Children's Center. Um, so I know ticket sales end Wednesday, July 28th. Um, so I've retweeted it a bunch. We'll probably retweet it from the uh, Exit 52 account. But um, it's going to be an awesome time coming out. Again, they're inducting Mo into the Hall of Fame with J.J. Hardy, some of the other um, Orioles Hall of Famers. The other two are Mike Devereaux and Joe Angel. Mike Devereaux. Who was that? Was that? No, you, you picked uh, Jeff Rebelay last week, right? Oh, yeah. Mike, yeah. Mike Devereaux would not, would not quantify as a random Orioles. No, he, no, was a, no. he was a good ball player. Yeah, Orioles Hall of Famer. Him and, yeah, Joe Angel. So, it's, it's a really good class. And, again, it's going to be – I think next week is, is the one year since Mo passed. So, you know, getting together with Jeremy and, and, and all them at the game. It's, it's going to be a good time. And, again, we're meeting up at Pickles before for this drink. So, 
you know, if someone wants to rock an exit 52 shirt to the, uh, to pickles pub, I'd, I would gladly buy a beer or two, uh, for them. So yeah, if there you, you want to get, I'll retweet the link, get a ticket and, uh, hopefully we'll see you there. The offers out there, from Marty T make sure to go out and buy, uh, buy the merch and he'll get you some drinks at pickles. Sounds like a pretty good deal. We'll put it Thanks. on Marty's tab. Yeah, we'll put it on Marty's staff. Ooh, Mardi Gras. Um, shout out to Thread Level Midnight. Um, really appreciate their support. Um, it's awesome to partner with with the local business around here, like Fed Thrill and Jimmy's and, and all of that. So really appreciate them and make sure to go buy some shirts. That's enough for this week's episode of the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. Make sure to follow the boys on Twitter at Barstool Banks to follow Banks at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. For RDT, you can follow me at TaylorSmite10. You can follow the podcast at Exit52Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to watch the Olympics. Watch those Olympics. And we'll see you next time on the Exit52 Podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood.
Something magic happens. Let's go to our interview with Sarah Perlman. You guys uh, talked to Sarah for about a half an hour a couple of days ago. Um, and, and the story's been so well told, and I'm sure it was, was interesting and, and I'm sure, you know, enlightening times to get into it with her. All right, let's get to our interview with Sarah Perlman. Oh, I thought you were leading it off. No, I wanted you guys to expand on it, but you guys just did not do anything. We did. Expand on entering it. Yeah, I thought you were like, expand hey, we're going to the... Absolutely nothing. You guys did absolutely nothing. <laughs> let's go to our interview with Sarah Perlman. I mean, we could just start talking about it now and then like. We should 100% cut that out. That was fucking awkward. <laughs> I was, won't cut was, it out. That was the office. Guns. We've already got a cutoff situation, so we can might as well just keep going where we just uh, how what was the last thing you said before you it went deadly quiet? So I could pick it up. <laughs> I said I'm sure it was like interesting and enlightening to talk with her about her story, something of that effect. I bet. <laughs> 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 what did you guys think I was doing? I thought you were like, oh, they had a cu- they had a couple of minutes to talk with her. Well, I didn't know. Here I was go. waiting for like, Eric to pick what, it up. To be honest, <laughs> normally I say, see, normally I say like what like a couple of the topics, but I normally am on the interview, so I don't send it to you guys. But I don't know. I haven't heard it, so I have no fucking clue what's on it. <laughs> and then I saw Banks go on mute, so I was like, oh, he's gonna go on mute, and we're gonna go to the ten second delay thing. So how do we want to handle this? Just at any given point, we can just start talking as if we never paused <laughs> and then you want me to kick it to the interview again yeah okay i'll allow one of you to take it you want me all right you want me to take it thanks sure all right whenever <laughs> you want me to do you, you want me to set you up with the question like you're answering me again just so oh, you yeah, have sure. yeah, yeah. yeah and i'll find the spot to cut it and so that it picks back up you're just going to pick it up right with rdt's questionnaire so just take like let there be like a brief second before you answer when i lead you into the questionnaire <laughs> what a fail that was um um yeah uh and you guys talked to to sarah perlman and what i'm sure was a was a really nice conversation Yeah, it was it was awesome getting to uh, sit down and talk with her. It was a long time coming. I think the first confirmed couple we've had on the show, Trey and, and Sarah. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, I, th- I think you did call her 